0: Welcome back to The Weekend in Horror. This week, we're going over March 29th through April 4th. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm Alex, and with me today are JL and Eugene.
1: How's it going? What's up, everybody?
0: And today, we also have a very special guest. She's the star of Found, Wandering, Lost, The Tree, and Grave Danger. The insanely talented Christy Corville. How you doing, Christy?
2: Hi. Oh, you're so sweet. Hi, guys. How are you?
0: Fantastic.
3: Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, fantastic. Recording from isolation. <laughs> yes. Recording from the <laughs> quarantine.
2: I as well. Doctor ordered quarantine. Even.
3: <laughs> Ooh.
2: I could be infected, y'all. Contact with the disease. <laughs>
3: Take <Right. laughs> <laughs> <Too gross. laughs> I never thought I, I never thought I would live to hear live to hear the words come out of the 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 news anchor's mouth. Avoid contact with the infected.
2: Right. <laughs> 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 I want that on loop. <laughs> So scary, but also
0: super (laughs) exciting.
3: Next, it's going to be and the best way to dispose of them is to remove the head or destroy the brain. I will repeat that.
2: (laughs) That's not frightening. We joke about it, but who knows?
0: It could be right around the
2: corner. Exactly.
3: I get that look from my coworkers. I will say, uh oh, corona zombies. And they all like, what? What? No, no, it's a joke.
4: (laughs)
1: You have to understand. You have to get Liz, kill Phil, and then head to the Winchester.
0: <laughs> the Winchester's the closed. The Winchester's
3: closed. It closed. closed no. the Winchester now. Where the hell are we going to wait for all this to blow over now?
0: <laughs>
2: Not well, my hey, mind. we're coming at you from all over the country here. Uh, Christy, you're wild. up in KC, right? Yes.
0: And then you got uh, Eugene and JL are down in the Dallas area, and I took a plane, which was unbelievably creepy today, getting in the airport, and there's nobody there. We had, like, maybe 20 people on the plane that I was on. We were all in our own row space, like, three rows apart. It was was eerie, and I flew up to Minneapolis, where they had just, they're going on lockdown here on Friday, and... uh,
3: Kind of puts the kind of puts the opening scene of 28 Days Later in a new perspective. Seriously, and it's
0: all... Yeah, i it's, it's dude. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I think I sent you guys that picture, or the, the meme of yes. that opening scene where he's standing on the bridge, and it's like, mosquitoes come out of hibernation. Like, where are all the fucking people?
3: <laughs> What's going like, on? Like, mosquitoes
0: are like, Hello! Can you imagine, like, with all this going down, the mosquitoes starting to come out and stuff? It's gonna, like, this is all gonna have such a huge impact on... The whole world.
2: Oh my gosh, have yeah. you seen the photos and the videos of all the animals that are like now wandering into town, like uh-huh. the deer in Japan and the, I the love dolphins? The, I love in the Italy. fact
3: Oh, I love the fact that I've always I've, I've always been curious if, if humanity pulled back, how fast nature would push back in and you always imagine you know, it might take a few months, might take a couple of years. You start seeing things, you know, returning. I am amazed Weeks. at how fast it is. Oh yeah.
0: my gosh! Like, oh, yeah. we pull
3: back, and nature was right there to separate. Right in. like my, I think my favorite so far are the elephants in India that took over that vineyard.
0: Oh, oh wow. yeah, my It on. was
3: yeah, it was like two. It was like two days after, and the elephants literally came in, took over the vineyard, destroyed all the wine, and drank it all, and then ate all the grapes, and then passed yep. out. Oh,
2: that's pretty you that. cool. Sorry, sorry. I, <laughs> I live very close to um, an 800 acre um, state park and we have foxes in our neighborhood. Something got eaten on our driveway the other night. That was God awful sounding. Um, and we've had deer in our neighborhood. And we even had a wild boar. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> damn. <laughs>
2: yeah. So it's it happened pretty quick. I'm I'm about a mile from this park from the main entrance, so it's been like Wild Kingdom. See <laughs> all of stuff.
0: I, I see. Morning. I live in a pretty unpopulated area of North Fort Worth, and I've noticed a ton of like squirrels and birds. Um, somebody found like a, a coyote pup in their yard the other day, like they're all just like they're coming out. Like I live in like you the bit. one neighborhood in this area that's like super unpopulated. Jared, you know over by uh, over by the QT off of one fourteen and thirty five oh, yeah. by Texas that's Motor exactly Speedway.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah, I live right over oh, there. Oh yeah, I used to live in Keller. I wasn't too far from. There.
0: Okay, yeah, I live in the on the Rome side. Okay, and so like our property is what, technically tell you in what two counties, me but.
3: What, what really struck me was I was driving to work, and I I, I leave for work early, usually usually around five thirty six in the morning, and I was driving along. It was how loud the bird. Yeah.
2: Yes. That
3: it, I was just driving along, and I had to turn my radio down, and I was just listening outside. It was like it was insane because it was so quiet. There was nobody out, and you know I've got my paperwork that my that the company I work for they gave us actual paperwork to give to the police in case we get stopped. It's like, what are you doing now? Because Collin County just ordered the shutdown. And so I've got paperwork I can give. Up. I have papers. Let me go, you know, because I'm essentially I'm I'm I work in maintenance. I work in a apartment. I'm an, a maintenance technician. So um, apparently I, I'm essential is what I am. So I have paperwork <laughs> I have to show them in case I get stopped. Mm. Like you know, why are you out during quarantine? And so, but I, I was just driving along, just driving down McDermott, and all of a sudden I was like, what the shit? And it was, it, the birds were so loud. Oh yeah. Like you just don't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we have a we have a pretty expansive coyote population. Oh yeah. Where we are because we're I'm in Allen, uh I like right off of right right near Lucas.
0: Right, yeah. Okay? Any farther east so, than that it's just like woods, isn't it?
3: It's it's just country. Yeah. yeah, it's just it literally just, just you know, it's people's ranches and people, you know, large areas of large large tracts of land. And <laughs> it's um it's wild because I did, occasionally we would see a coyote, you know, you see a coyote just kinda of trotting down the street and you know it's like, Oh hey, it's a coyote we're going to start seeing them a lot
2: oh for sure oh definitely we're going push in hard yeah we've had so, sightings we I guess of a bobcat in our neighborhood too and so um, we have small dogs and uh, <laughs> uh, so I have them in an enclosed patio we have like a, a top deck a middle deck and then you go out into the yard and I can close the decks off to the rest of the yard and so we've called the lower deck, the poop deck. We're like, just let the dogs <laughs> go. there.
4: Don't Very go in silly. the yard.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Well,
3: well, given, given all the insanity around the country, we, I do want to send this out. I know from all of us here at Week in Horror to all of our listeners. Um, first of all, we want to thank you for, for sticking with us and for listening. Um, we're glad we we're able to give you some entertainment during the, during this, you know, crazy quarantine time. I know things are spiking out there. Um, I think, We just hit like 60,000 infected here in America. Yeah, almost Mm 65,000. Yeah, unfortunately, it it is only going to get worse. So, we just, you know, I just want to reiterate what we said before. Just, you know, be safe, be kind. You know, we're all in this boat together, uh, regardless of your politics, regardless of your other views. Um, This this concerns everyone. So, you know, be safe, be kind, use common sense, and hopefully, you know, we will get through this without too much damage. And, uh, of course, we will be here because um, we we don't we know uh, we pretty much record from isolation so we'll be here trying to entertain you every single week you'll get our stuff and of course if you're on our patreon you'll get um you'll get your early content as well That's so your stuff. Uh, just yeah yeah just be kind and uh you know, we love you guys we appreciate uh you guys sticking with yeah, us yeah and hey i wanted to so, throw this out
0: there too real quick before we move on um it, it's it's hard being stuck in isolation and from personal experience and friends around me and stuff, you know, being, being stuck in a house alone for a long time could be rough on the, the mental side of things. So, you know, anybody out there that's listening, if you feel like you, you need somebody to talk to or anything, just go ahead and shoot us an email. We'll talk to you, you know, reach out. Things are tough right now. Absolutely. If you need somebody to talk to, yeah. we're, we're here.
4: Awesome. Just wanna, now, just wanna throw that, that out there,
0: because, you know. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Being oh, absolutely. stuck staring at a wall for weeks is rough on the mind.
3: Now, one thing to me that, that I think is really cool that uh, our our intrepid film studios are doing, which is pretty unprecedented, um, they're doing early VOD releases of major motion pictures that have literally just released. Um, the first two that, that caught my eye, I know there have been others, but the two that caught my eye, and obviously this is a fucking horror podcast, so we're going to talk about horror movies, <laughs> um, <laughs> was the, the, the new Invisible Man, Starring Elizabeth Moss and The Hunt, uh, just came out and Hillary Swank, starring Hillary Swank, <laughs> and uh, the, have I've I have have got I've seen them I had to because you know when I, I don't get a chance to go to the movie theaters often with my work schedule and dealing with the podcast and dealing with all the stuff that I work on um I don't get to go to the to the movie theaters very often. plus it's super freaking expensive it's obnoxious as shit but I so I spend the fuck out of uh VOD I spend way too much money on video on demand. And has anybody else got a chance to see him? I've seen him. Anybody else? Uh, I saw
2: the new, uh, the uh, Invisible Man right before uh, everything got shut down. And it was, I was pleasantly surprised.
3: Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) You guys get a chance?
0: No, not Uh, yet.
3: Yeah, not yet. We actually
1: basically just got it like today, like two hours ago. So I haven't had a chance to actually watch it, though awesome
3: i think you guys are gonna love oh, it yeah uh, i don't want to i definitely we, we then christy and i will not spoil anything about no. it but it is really really badass and of course i want to give a shout out for the hunt because the hunt they they talked about it like it was more you know the most controversial film of 2020 or like this you know it's basically it's it's i can see why they would say that to kind of hype it up but um it's funny as shit and it's just a lot of fun so i mean it's just a good fun, you know movie. I don't want to spoil anything about that either for those who haven't seen it, but I strongly recommend both those. Both those excellent suggestions. Twenty dollars on VOD, easily worth the price. You're gonna be at home and you're like this, I know twenty bucks, you know, just to to get a movie, but I mean these two were definitely I mean they're still it, in so.
0: theaters and that's less than two tickets. So
2: <coughs> that's yeah. good point.
0: That's, that's true. true. So the hunt, does that is that kind of like along the lines of like the most dangerous game?
3: Um yes. If the hunters were liberals and the hunted were uh conservatives.
4: Huh. Interesting. Actually,
3: I would say let me let me rephrase that. If the if the hunters were internet libtards <laughs> and the hunted, yeah. the hunted were internet conservative
0: freakos. So it's like I can't even come up with a good. It's like... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was trying to
1: think of the same it's thing. It's like I'm I don't like have an analogy for it. Trying
4: to
0: Politics are so fucked up right now. It's just exactly. It's just... Like, if, if you, you imagine... kind of hit
2: the nail on the head just with his own description. Yeah, I think he
0: yeah, got yeah. it. All there.
3: If you if you can imagine if you can imagine if all the bullshit rhetoric you hear online in between you know both sides between you know if you want to say blue and red, if you hear all the the if you took all that rhetoric and built it into like an actual physical altercation. This is what would result.
2: Okay. Wow, and I want to watch yeah. it. Well, maybe I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, it's 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 really fucking good. It really is. You'll enjoy it.
0: Oh, good stuff.
3: So, um, also want to give we also want to give a shout out to Shutter. I never thought we'd be you know promoting Shutter on this one, but we'll do a shout out to pro uh to to uh the Shutter app, and because uh, they are doing a free fucking month of premium Shutter using the promo code Shut In. Which seems apropos. Uh, That's really cool. S H U T I N. Put in that promo code, get one free month of premium shutters this, to get you through this quarantine. And there's actually some good shit on, on there. They're really there's is. There's been some good
0: stuff. The first thing that popped up when I went on there was uh, Mandy, and I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'll watch that.
3: <laughs> I'm sold right and, off the uh, bat. The new, the new Creep Show, I think, is on there Creep as well. Creep Show's on there, yeah. yeah. No, they got a lot of good yeah. stuff on there right now. So, yeah, definitely, you know, if you. You love horror movies and you haven't heard about it? Use that free promo code, S-H-U-T-I-N, shut in for one free month of premium Shutter, and then just binge watch that shit until the coronavirus zombies come. <laughs> you yes, might that, as well that, if they're going to uh, be home.
0: That promo code was tested at the time of recording, so if it, you know, if they shut it down before this gets released, sorry, but definitely try it out. That was tested and proven, so...
3: Yeah, I come home today after work, and Angela's sitting on the couch watching Walking Dead <laughs> as preparation. <laughs> uh, oh, all,
0: right. all right, with all the craziness that's going on, maybe we should uh, head towards some structure here. And, uh, J.O., why don't you start us off with our first movie of the week?
3: Yes. All right, coming to you from March 31st, 2009, we have the horror film Autopsy. Nice. Yeah. It's a brilliant little splatter film. Uh, it was a part of the After Dark Horror Fest, eight films to die for, which is, oh my god, I love that thing so much. Wish it was still around. But this bad boy was directed by Adam Giersach and starred Michael Bowen, Jessica Lowndes, Ashley Schneider, Robert Patrick, the T-1000, yes. and, Jeanette, and Jeanette Goldstein. So very, And is written by Adam Giersach, the director, and Jace Anderson and E.L. Katz. So a Really, really trippy little film. Um, Starts off pretty simple. Group of teens are in a car accident. You know, they call for help. And then all of a sudden this ambulance shows up and carts everybody off to this hospital in the middle of nowhere. Creepy hospital where they seem to be the only people there. Where they suddenly and very quickly and very gorily, discover that there is a mad doctor on the premises. (laughs) And he is doing mad things to his patients. And of course, the bloodbath ensues. Lot of, lot of gore and blood in this one. Um, but a very, very decently built film. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Um, I know, uh, Christy, you got a chance to check it out, didn't I you? I
2: did. I did get a chance to check it out. And I was pleasantly surprised. The funny thing is, I have done a few horror films, but I don't watch a lot of them. But watching this one really sucked me back in. Um I really enjoyed it. Definitely a lot of gore, like you said. <laughs>
4: for sure, <laughs> yes. It definitely yes.
2: follows your um, the the horror film protocol, of course, <laughs> but it still had a lot of surprises in it for me, um, especially when uh Emily finally finds Bobby oh my god
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes wait a second holy, holy
2: shit <laughs> um i'm not going to lie i i hid behind my pillow a couple of times during this um, expecting things to jump out when, uh, when they didn't. And so then uh, I lowered the pillow and then, and then I jump out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so even though it followed your typical horror film protocol, it uh, definitely um, left some, some good surprises there uh, for sure. I really liked too that you really, in the beginning thought that they were the only ones there uh, and then these other characters would kind of pop up out of nowhere. And you wanted to know more. And it, it kept you very, very intrigued. And the ending. <laughs> I,
3: mean, I guess and I would and I <laughs> I, I, no, I wanna give I wanna give some serious props. Robert Patrick, you know, excellent character actor, effectively creepy. Um has his you know, has his own style like that. Uh he's he's really he's good in it, but I wanna give some, some particular props to actor Robert Lassardo. Um, he's a character actor. Yeah, you know, if you, I guarantee anybody who's seen anything has seen him before. He is um, uh, Hispanic and yes. he is covered in tattoos. Yes, like from 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 you know from the top of his neck all the way down. He was you know he's done stuff like he's been in Nip Tuck. He's been in the he was in the X Files. Um, you name it. This cat's been in it. Uh, big huge you know television actor. Typically he you know, plays gang members or gang bosses or something of the nature. But he was in this one and he was a kind of an assistant style cleaner i do who knows but uh he he is always a pleasure to watch and just the way because he's so his he's comes across he's one of those menacing but aloof guys Mm -hmm. and absolutely perfect for horror i love i love seeing him in horror but um uh christy you mentioned that that one particular scene and we're not going to spoil it no not the particulars of that but this movie had some insane set pieces oh yeah and Mm -hmm. uh, from a technical standpoint from, from a shooting standpoint, I have to say, for any filmmakers out there, that one thing that's really, really cool about the hospital setting, um, and I believe that they did shoot this in an actual, um, a, not a condemned, but, a, but a, a, an abandoned hospital. It wasn't old, it wasn't in use anymore. So They pretty much went in, the, the crew went in there, cleaned the whole thing up. And it's really excellent because that means you have all of these rooms that you can do art direction in and go boom, boom. And you can, you can literally change the tone and set of the film you know, the whole thing, you, everything from room to room and create this kind of working tapestry. mm mm-hmm. Okay, which I know, uh, Eugene, you know, you having recently worked on, uh, you know, you having done your short film uh, that's coming up, yeah, you have some experience in that, I know that. Oh, yeah,
1: that's... First of all, hospitals are killer locations. Those hospitals are one of the hardest locations to get for films. That's why you don't see a lot of small-budget... Uh, indie film shot in hospitals because it's like you have to know either you have to know somebody who's high ranking there that can hook you up or um, you know get some someplace some like this where it's like run down or about to be closed down or something like that. Just, and that's why even in a lot of films when you see a hospital scene, a lot of times it's not actually a hospital, it's in a studio or they'll take a bedroom or garage and turn it into a hospital. So the fact they're able to get in a hospital like Half your art direction's already done. I'll tell you right now, as a horror film director, you give me a hospital, I can make an entire feature film in a hospital. <laughs> like, easily. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and badass. And the, what they're able to do from room to room, and the fact that it had, it we're able to get body parts, and it had to throw blood on the walls, and all this other kind of stuff to really dive into it. That's
3: awesome. It's, it's, it's got to be sweet. When you, when you know as a filmmaker you can run up in there, and you could just wreck your set, and just do all kinds of insane (laughs) shit and you can get away with it. that's got to be that's got to be a lot of fun I, you know, if, for the projects I've worked on we've always got to be really careful and we got to clean shit up and we got to be like oh no we don't, want, don't want them getting mad at us I'd love to be able to shoot in a location where they're just where the owner's just like fuck it they're, they're, this place is going to be torn down in 10 months just fuck this place right. up man. I don't give goddamn. <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> go crazy with
1: the blood blood, body parts just flow and throw it everywhere
3: <laughs> when they come to tear this motherfucker down we want them freaking out when this whole place goes
0: what happened in here all right, JL, go exactly. mark all the load bearing walls <laughs> We won't knock those ones down. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but uh, I have to, I have to say, when the first time I saw this one, uh, you know, it was part of the After Dark Horror Fest. Uh, the first episode of the one, and I don't want to spoil what it is, but I want to get, I kind of want to get everybody's takeaway that 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 last one she did when she finds Bobby, that last set set scene.
2: It was nuts. Just you know,
3: yeah. Just first, yeah, at first, Christy, Christy was nuts. Uh, guys, what did you think?
1: That's ins- that was insane.
3: <laughs>
1: like, I don't and I don't want to give it away. It's like it's yeah, one of those
0: yeah, moments don't, where don't it's give it like away. you're thinking the whole movie one thing, and then you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, "Well, fuck me, right?"
2: Right, say, <laughs> not what I expected at <laughs> all.
0: I didn't even so know how the... to
2: process what I was seeing. I'm like, "Holy shit!" Right.
3: And they do, and they and they, they give you a good camera work around that like the camera work is like oh yeah you get to see you know, every angle yeah it's really really good oh yeah they wanted to make sure so, you didn't miss anything <laughs> <laughs> i think that was uh that's the beauty of the after dark horror fest um so much it, it just gave these opportunities to get some really really cool indie shit
2: yeah
1: oh yeah absolutely and so for for the listeners that don't know the After Dark Horror Fest was a actual series they had eight films those eight films to die for and they started back in 2006 and it ran for about 10 years and so they took horror films between short and feature length so anywhere from 30 minutes to say about an hour and they would you know bunch of people submit them in and they would take the the eight best ones, and with autopsy being one of the ones that they selected, and then they would showcase these films. And it wasn't just like a film festival where it's oh we'll have a screening and blah 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 blah. I mean, these got released around the country. They got distribution. Uh, careers were made off of this. Um, you know, they would do a DVD package, and they really, really. You would submit your film, and if you got accepted, you were basically involved into this huge product thing, kind of thing. Like, you pretty much like kind of, like, made it as a filmmaker. And so it started back in 2006, and it went all the way up until 2015. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier, and I was trying to find a reason why they stopped. And I kept trying. Yeah, I am
3: curious. I'm curious about that. Yeah. And
1: I could not find it. Man. I could I didn't know if like, well, did they go bankrupt? Did they lose funding? Did you know whoever was in charge drop out eventually? Or you know, whatever happened. And so I was like sitting there researching and digging into it and it just disappeared.
3: You know, so looking into it, what I know is that it started in two thousand six and there was a two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. So they were they were steady on track. And then there was a lag and then Hor- HorrorFest Four came out in 2010 but after in 2011 after dark films was replaced with after dark originals mm-hmm. and then they did an eight films to die for 2015 In 2015 yeah yeah and that was the that was the last we'd heard of it which is a shame because something like this for after dark to do this now maybe they just did it as kind of a thing to kind of like get their name out there and, and you know get attraction you know to attract new products uh, new our new projects and everything, but and once you know what the, the after dark kind of like took off because of this It's how they got their name out there And then maybe they just stopped they didn't need to do it anymore Is that that's a sad thing to think that the you know, well, we just don't need to do this anymore So we you know we achieved our goal, so we're moving on because it's such an amazing opportunity for lesser-known directors or nobodies to potentially get some serious cred um, and get and get a project out there.
1: Yeah, because it was something like a lot of a lot of big film festivals, like it's like Sundance or something like that. You kind of have to. They get so many submit submissions. You have to know somebody. You have to know one of the judges. You have to have an A lister. You know, if yeah, if Wes Anderson directs it, right, or he stars Brad Pitt, of course, is going to get into Sundance, right, because they're A listers, kind of thing. But the no name, no cast, just somebody who went out and just. Made Made a fantastic film kind of thing you it's sad to say most likely you're not going to get into Sundance but something like this they took submissions from everybody and they waited equally kind of thing and they just took the films that were the best
2: that's a yeah. really good point point. and you look at you know now two times have changed and, and everybody's trying to make a film <laughs> everybody now has access to really good cameras and equipment and um, I think it is affecting some of the bigger film festivals as well Um, and you're right. You do have to know somebody and there are so many great films out there. I really hope that, um, I don't know. I don't, I want, I'm really curious to know why this went away. And if there's, if if there's a way to find out why, or, um, I don't get, get them to bring it back. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) I feel late in the game. So I feel left out. I'm like, well, wait a
3: minute. (laughs) You you, you mentioned, you mentioned that it would think it was, it was Steven Soderbergh who, Kicked it off. He pretty much kicked off the the commercial deal you because know, he did that. Like, the, the commercial acceptance that everybody can be a filmmaker mm-hmm. because he did his movie Unsane which uh, which uh, which was a horror thriller that came out in 2018, and that thing was. Um, I, we're actually gonna yeah we'll talk about uh, we'll, we'll talk about when it comes around. But Unsane was shot entirely on the iPhone. Yep. Yeah,
0: the whole movie.
3: Yeah. So pretty much proving that. I mean. As long as you got a decent tripod, you can be a fucking filmmaker.
1: We
0: actually, uh,
1: yeah, me and my girlfriend watched that like three, four days ago, just randomly. Just it was like on like Netflix, something like that. And yeah, starring Claire Foy kind yep. of thing. And yeah, I didn't know it was shot on the iPhone, though.
2: Yeah, it was. It, it's, it's not it, nuts? It's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Well, and that's like okay. In this movie, you know, the budget on it was like two million dollars, and the cumulative worldwide gross is only one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, almost one hundred and sixteen thousand dollars. You know, you got to think out of that two million that they budgeted. Like you're saying, you can replace a lot of that heavy camera equipment. That's you know, a lot of the budget is filming. Um. it, It. you can take a lot of that away now. And so these people, you know, that don't have a whole shitload of money can take an iPhone and some good audio equipment and go and shoot a professional looking film, you know, and some stuff that these lower budget films didn't have like the super high def cameras and stuff back in, I mean, this was even pretty recent back in 2009, but now that we've got like these iPhone tens that can shoot pro movies, I think we'll see a lot more. See, like a lot of the, the indie films and stuff like, They don't go big because you know poor quality great story good cast you know the acting's great but like the shots aren't fantastic and so people are like oh well you know it looks cheesy because it's on a crappy camera but now you got these these people that can just take their iphone and go shoot an entire movie for a fraction of what it would have cost before i think we'll start seeing some some good stuff and you know good quality stuff and like you said, well, you, you know, should, should they the bring iPhone. it back. I think a lot of it had to do with money from the research I was looking at was they weren't making enough off of it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think,
0: you know, with yeah. these these filmmakers that can <laughs> that can and take I this think, smaller well, budget I, and work with it.
2: I think the sound equipment too that they have access to now or anybody has access to now because I I don't know about you guys but Bad sound like sound can break or make a film for me.
1: Oh absolutely.
2: And uh, yeah. a lot of the older films too, you can tell uh, listening to the sound, especially the, the, the B-rated horror films, which are amazing. but you, usually you could tell just by the sound alone. And now even the sound has improved so much you, you don't get thrown out of the story. You, no. you stay connected to what's happening.
0: And you can get wireless it's, microphones that you can hook up to those iPhones for super cheap and they're high yeah. you know, high quality.
3: You know, I gotta say, you know, with the advent of with the advent of iPhone filmmaking, I, I thank God it has not embraced the found footage deal because I'm so sick and tired of found footage films. Um, but <laughs> given that, I, I, from an artistic standpoint, from a creator standpoint, I, I am impressed that this kind of iPhone generation and now embracing filmmaking and going into that has kind of given rise because you can get, you know, your good your good visual right there, but like you said, audio can make or break a make or break a film. And it's given rise because of the lack of access because, you know, sometimes audio equipment can be fucking expensive, so can lighting. But you you have your camera, you have that taken care of, you use a lot of natural lighting, you're shooting outdoors, you're pretty much good there. But it's kind of given rise to a new kind of minimalistic style
2: mm, yeah. where we're yeah. not going
3: to go extreme. And I like that that's opened up that door that we've gone that, you know, just by virtue of where some would say the lack of a budget can hinder you. We've got some really creative people out there and you can catch their shit on YouTube all over the place. Who are shooting some really solid stuff using simple things like an iPhone XS or something or an iPhone 11 or whatever fucking new one is out right now. Um, <laughs> and then turning in some really stunning visual work with some minimalistic sound. Maybe a little bit of, uh, of stuff dropped in in post. You know, just to create – because we you know, we don't have a ton of money. We can make it look fantastic. Let's go in this new art style. I love that it's making people more creative, which is what we need in the industry. If some of these
0: fucking kids that that's are true. in front of the camera all the time that aren't afraid to be in front of the camera, you know, the like fucking TikTok and all that shit. <laughs> <if some laughs> these kids need to fucking get into some actual acting.
3: Yes, this is true.
1: Go for it. And see, another uh, another thing is, is not only is it the easy access of equipment, but also the knowledge that's like on YouTube youtube tutorials you have these huge channels that have millions of subscribers because it used to be like the technical aspects of filmmaking was very in-house cinematographers didn't give away their secret so you had to work on sets and really be ingrained in that community to figure out how to be like a hollywood cinematographer and nowadays you can get your iPhone, go on YouTube, and go through all these tutorials and all this other kind of stuff of lighting and all this other kind of stuff. And people, There's even master classes and stuff like that that you can take that oh, are online. Got, you've and got uh, uh, some the professional. No,
2: what is it? The No no Film School? Yeah, there's No Film league. School. Yes, yes. Uh, Film
3: Riot yeah. is another yeah. huge one. Don't fucking remind me. My whole goddamn film degree is on YouTube.
2: <laughs> I know, right? I feel you, Jared. <laughs>
3: To it's like, so wait, so all I had to do was wait 15 years and I could have learned all this shit myself? <laughs> Thanks so much.
0: who was at least I got a fl- decade and a at- half?
3: At least I got a fucking Pell Grant. Yay!
0: <laughs>
2: I, I feel you, Jared. <laughs> it
3: was like that's got to be so fucking obnoxious. And I imagine that's for that's for any profession. You have my sympathy out there. You go to school and you learn how to do automotive. You go to school and you learn how to do HVAC. You go to school, and learn how to do all this shit, and then you find out fifteen fucking years later your entire job is on YouTube. Yep. And I can't tell you because um, doing HVAC shit like that, I didn't learn shit in my class. But I've learned a ton of shit off of YouTube. I will literally pull up the YouTube video while I'm working I'm like, Oh, that's how you do that. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm done. Oh, God, yeah. makes, it, YouTube makes me look like a champion. Oh, I, I love both YouTube. It.
2: Are you kidding me? And, yep.
3: <laughs> I, I, I curse it and I want it. So.
2: <laughs> I, I love like, um, I have to change out my car battery. Let me pull up YouTube and figure out how to do it.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> For your specific vehicle,
2: exactly. It's not just how
3: to change a car battery. It's like, how do I change a car battery on a 1997?
0: You know, oh Jesus Christ! You with saber? your Buick life going there driving a '97 man.
3: No, I'm just <laughs> saying, it's like, you know, how do I change a battery on this particular model? It's like I had a 1978 Cougar XR7, my most beloved car. How do I change? like, how do I do this on an XR on a on a 1978 Mercury Cougar XR7? How do I do it? And boom, there's the video for my specific vehicle
0: type. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, I yeah. can't even talk shit. My first car was a 94 Thunderbird, so.
2: Oh, mine was a 74 Camaro. Ooh, nice. I, I love mean, that I- car. And it was 87, not red. it was oh, yeah. Smurf Blue, and I used to drag race it. Nice, <laughs> nice.
1: Smurf Blue.
2: We call, Yeah, we called her the, uh, Smurfette. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Eugene, what was your first?
1: It was an 87 Grand Dam that was a Frankenstein of a bunch of Grand dams mel- melded together. so it wasn't even like I couldn't even tell you like one color because it was like seven different (laughs) colors
2: that's amazing
0: (laughs) nice that's okay my Thunderbird was black and silver with a blue stripe down the middle and by down (coughs) the middle I mean between like it went sideways across the car so the front half of the car was black (laughs) and the back half was silver (laughs) with a blue zigzag between the, the front door and the back door.
3: So we're basically telling our audience we all drove horror shows for vehicles. Oh, Dude, It was, it was terrifying.
0: <laughs> when you'd go over like a slight little bump, it would like the back would just bounce up and down for like a quarter of mile because the shocks were shot. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I bought I the thing for 400 ride. bucks.
2: I liked my ride. I didn't like the nine miles a gallon. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, so before we punch this I got a note. So after Dark Horror Fest, hopefully one day it should come. It, 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 it'll come. You know, we'll we'll see something like that again. But you guys got the chance to watch it real quick. Favorite one, maybe two out of the After Dark Horror Fest that you could recommend
0: out of like the original eight.
3: Out of out of any of them, because there were five. Yeah. Okay, and each one had eight movies in it. So did you have like a particular one or two that you loved?
1: Oh, man, I'm actually, I've actually... I've been doing some research for it I still need to see a bunch of these. Like, I want to check a lot of these out. I'm there is, with like,
0: you. a ton of them. Um, I think okay, one so of the only other ones so that I ever saw was actually Bastard.
3: That our good friend Rebecca Kennedy was yeah, in. Yeah,
0: and so that's after, after we talked to her. That was, like, I had seen that one recently. Um... I couldn't even tell you, I know there's one, there was a werewolf movie, and I think it was in the first, uh, the first eight, uh, the eight films to die for, the first one. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was, there was a, a werewolf movie though.
3: Well, I've seen them all, so of you have. I will recommend, um, <laughs> the, out, of, out of all of them, there are some bad ones, there, there are some bad ones, there are some good ones, um. But the two that I'd say, that there are they're two, and equally tied. They were both in After Dark 2, After Dark Horror Fest 2. Uh, came out in 2007, and the first one is The Deaths of Ian Stone. Okay. Strongly recommend that one. Very, very cool. And Mulberry Street, which was... Uh, sort of a zombie film but not really a zombie film but Mulberry Street and The Deaths of Ian Stone I strongly recommend there's a bunch of good ones I mean a lot so many that I could, I could mention but those are two of my absolute favorites uh, from that's from the second one but of course three had good ones Autopsy that we just talked about was in was in After Dark Orfest 3 mm-hmm.
0: um, oh you know what was in there uh, the butterfly effect 3
2: I saw yes, that the, 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 I saw that, was, was,
0: that was on there yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, I had to look it up because I don't I don't know what all the movies that were in it. Uh, the 2006 Penny Dreadful was in that. That was a good one too.
3: That was also a, that good was one. a really good, thing. a really a really gross one, uh, a really nasty one based off of an actual Australian legend. Uh, was Dying Breed, and Dying Breed was in um, also in After Dark Three. Uh, that one was that was a gross one because it's about cannibals and inbreeding and shit and, gross. and in the oh, the uh, in the australian outback it's a, it's a grody one and seriously Yikes. you know gross <laughs> but uh there's so many good ones in this i think um i got to screen when i was doing um when i was doing uh journalism and i was doing press access for Texas frightmare weekend i got to screen dread uh and i think dread was in 2 or 3 maybe it was in 4 um after Dark Four, yeah, Dread. I got to uh, actually screen Dread and the Final. I got to do those two, so uh, I got to see both those in X-Firemare Weekend when they came out back in 2010. So, but yeah, a lot of really cool shit in there.
0: Yeah, those are those oh. are good ones. I mean, I'm going through them right now. Uh, Wicked Little Things. That was another one that was really good.
3: Oh yes, and
0: God, I didn't realize how many of these were actually in the.
3: Why'd you have to say that? I have a, I have a, I have kind of a. A sophomore crush on Scout Taylor Conner. Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's just so cute,
3: and she does horror really well. I really liked her in in, in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween remake. She's good, I at, really yeah, did.
0: She's good at yeah. playing those kind of creepy roles. That's good stuff, though. Yeah, so a Horror Fest, After Dark Horror Fest. I mean, with all the with all the. Like we we're talking about the new technology and people being able to get out there and get their name out there on a lower budget, you know, not two million dollars, and then you gross one hundred and fifteen thousand and kind of flop. Even though Autopsy was a great movie, it just you know it didn't it didn't play well. So I mean, that's a question for the audience: Should they bring back the horror fest? How many people would be interested in this? Is this something that, you know, maybe you know a a, a film director? Or an, you know, an amateur, and indie director that does horror that might want to get into something like this. Do you think it could be brought back? Let us know. Because, you know, who knows? Get enough people to, hey, this is a good idea, maybe, maybe something could kick off from it.
2: You have a whole new generation too of filmmakers that are just now starting to watch some of these older films too. I feel like they should almost reboot and re-release these films um, under the after dark uh, festival name and see what happens and you have a whole new audience
0: for sure and, and now really that these true. kids have actually seen like i mean not to like use this whole pandemic thing but like now that these kids have been around like something scary like i have an eight-year-old daughter uh, <laughs> and a six-year-old and a two-year-old almost three-year-old like these these kids are going to remember this from from now until forever it's like for like i was in sixth grade when 9-11 happened like, I'll never forget that day, that time, you know. And I've, I've got these kids that are, you know, old enough to understand what's going on. And so now that they've actually seen some scary shit, because I know after my, my generation, it was like super easy living for everybody.
2: You know, there It feels was no, like it, right? Yeah, there was. I
0: mean, there was no major – like, we had 9-11. We had, like, when we started the war in Afghanistan and stuff. Well, I mean, that's always been kind of going on, but – you know what I mean? Like Fallujah and when we really started getting the Iraq War and stuff. Like we saw a lot of shit and then it kind of just disappeared for a while. But
2: nothing that directly hit home. Like this this is hitting everybody. Yeah, and this, this is hitting, right yeah. This yeah. is hitting households so children are aware and are, are, you know, know what's going on. And the idea of being sick and not going to school and, and seeing their friends. Yeah, and then you've got the older teens that, you know... Are, are wanting some kind of creative outlet and and to express their feel? I mean, this is like the perfect time to bring something back, like After Dark Film Festival. I think, I God, think
0: there, it's... There's going so to be so many films spawned from this.
3: How about this? Weekend Horror Film Festival.
0: Ooh. Ooh. I wasn't going there yet. That's why I said email us. Ah! <laughs> see how I'm, many we can get I'm, together. I'm,
3: I am putting the energy into the universe.
0: Hey, we get enough response on that. We could pull that off real easy. That's true.
3: I think that would be cool as shit. All right, but definitely, audience, let us know. Should something like this return? The, uh, the ability for filmmakers, especially unknown filmmakers, to get their stuff out there, to get distribution. Uh, we, we miss it. I loved it. I thought it was fucking awesome. I tried to get into it myself one time with a, with a really, really bad horror movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's hope maybe one day we may see it again. Maybe we'll bring maybe it. Maybe
0: we'll you. bring it to you. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Righteous. Hey, let's touch on something a little bit more personal than the times at B. The times at Bay. The times that we're in right now. <laughs> Eugene's got a film <laughs> for us. <laughs> kind of touches on what we're, what we're dealing with.
1: So, speaking of
3: signs of the apocalypse right
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so this came out you know my neighbors don't like it when I go down the road at 7 o'clock in the morning <laughs> with a bell saying bring out your dead but you know I thought it <laughs> well, was. I think it's funny <laughs>
2: Oh, man. I'm kidding. Too soon? Too soon, maybe? <laughs>
3: Too soon. No. I feel like I can go for a walk. <laughs> my plague mask is finally back in style. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my neighbors really hate it when I'm out at 7 in the morning walking down the street with a cart wearing a plague outfit. <laughs> <laughs> out oh, my fun. God. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it.
1: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So we got, this came out April 1st, 1988, right? And it is the seventh sign. Which I actually saw this, I caught it on TV on accident like 15 years ago kind of thing. <laughs> just like just randomly. But it's, um, so it's directed by Carl Schultz, right? And it stars Demi Moore, mm-hmm. right? Demi Moore. Demi Moore, right? And it also has Michael Bahin, Peter Friedman, and then a Georgian Pachnov,
3: Proknov. Proknov. <laughs> I, Jurgen I now I'm, I'm I, lo- I love the way you do names. It's Michael Bean and Jurgen Prochnow. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's okay. I would have butchered Chrissy, it too. <laughs> you
0: nailed Peter Friedman. Chrissy, huh? you, Thank you,
3: Christy. If you if you listen to us like if you listen to many of our episodes, that's one of the running gags. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm. The, the running gags. Eugene Eugene can't pronounce names. I'm old as fuck and Alex yeah, you know, <laughs> Alex is Alex. I don't know. Alex.
2: I think I'm older than you, Jared. I might be the oldest <laughs> on the today. Let's, oh, let's not, just... Let's not test that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Punches in
0: Chrissy Corville, IMBD.
3: Oh no. <laughs> IMBD. Wow. Jesus. She hit twenty don't you know, don't you realize she hit twenty-six and just fucking stayed there. Right?
2: Good for you. <laughs> don't tell me uh, how. I won't tell you how.
3: <laughs> it's her twenty third, twenty sixth
2: birthday. No, I'm not saying that. Stop doing math, Jared.
0: You are ninety six years old. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's Dr Pepper and cigarettes. It keeps you young. Real, real. <laughs> all right. Just, but yes. Just a quick
1: rundown of the movie. It's basically, you have signs of the apocalypse are happening, like biblical signs, and all this bad stuff starts happening. And Demi Moore pra- plays a pregnant woman who has a baby due February 29th, right? And so a mysterious man shows up, right? And all of a sudden, crazy stuff starts happening, and it starts pulling into... You know things such as like you know the Vatican gets involved, and it starts going to like Jesus Christ's crucifixion and all this other kind of stuff, and you know craziness ensues.
0: Craziness ensues.
1: ensues yes. Put it slightly. <laughs> you know, it's just a world ending.
0: That's it.
2: Right, just just a little world ending. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you get a chance to go over this one, Christy?
2: I did. This actually is um, one of my favorites only because I, uh, I watched it um, back in 88, 89 <laughs> uh, over at my neighbor's house on VHS when uh, those still were the thing. Uh, and Just I remember, for our younger
0: listeners, a VHS right? is a small black box <laughs> put inside of another small black box, and it plays a movie from a negative.
2: There
3: was a time. There was a time when visual images were magnetically imprinted upon a magnetic strip, there you go. and then that played through a device with drivers that it's amazing yeah, crazy technology you know
2: my 96 year old ass remembers it just like yesterday. <laughs> no i this was one of my favorites because it terrified me when i was younger um i went to private school so uh, i thought for sure holy crap the next time it rains you know the world's ending um <laughs> Great film, being that I did go to private school, um, I do remember it followed basically what Revelation said quite well with their own twist on it, which made it modern and made it for those that aren't familiar with what Revelation said. I mean if you want a horror story, just go read Revelations alone. It's terrifying.
4: Yeah, no shit. Oh my god. Yeah,
2: that, and, that's, yeah. Yeah,
4: that's scary
2: shit. Um, I have to say my favorite actor in the film was John Taylor the um gentleman that played the product of um, ancestral parents he was absolutely brilliant um and
3: oh he was uh, that was he was jimmy he was jimmy yes yes that's right
2: he was fabulous um and the film was still um because i had seen it i wasn't scared but it still i think held its own very well today especially what's what's going on right now. It makes you wonder. Um, but no, I enjoyed this film a lot. I, I enjoyed it then for different reasons because it terrified me and I loved being terrified as a kid. Now I enjoyed it because I think that it still um, is very relevant, especially in today's day and age. Um, and I, I think it's something people should see.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. But nothing but, I,
2: I, we got another bit time on our hands, so.
3: <laughs> I somewhat, I somewhat enjoyed it myself, but – I, well, I love Jurgen Prock now. Uh, I like my Jesus is more Jim Caviezel shape. <laughs> Jill,
2: yeah, let's be honest. The the Jesus character, that did kind of yank me out of the story a little bit. Like, come on.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you get into a lot of these movies too, like the apocalypse the horror movies. And like you go on Netflix now and look at trending, it's all like pandemic and this and that. It's like you know, it's it's making a swing back because of the situation that's going on, but like you said, this one, it you know, it follows it follows the book pretty solidly, and then uh, another one that we were talking about that always stuck out to me was called Rapture, and I mm, believe yes. that's the one. That's the one mm-hmm. with the the young lady goes down and all the you know, the signs of the apocalypse start popping up, and
3: yeah, it was it uh, was David Duchovny, yeah, and yeah, yeah, Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: See, I, yeah. I thought that was great. Um, you got movies like Legion. That's another one that's kind of like an apocalyptic, um, you know. But that's more of... If you haven't seen Legion, I love that movie. I, I'll watch that one over and over again just because it, it's, it's fucking it's scary. A guilty, it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> it's fun. And it's, the, it's the old lady. It's it's a fun, it's a fun movie. <laughs> but it's also scary. Oh, fuck, dude. The ice cream truck driver and the old lady were like the scariest parts of that whole movie. But um, You get into these apocalypse horror movies and, you know, it, it, it's hard to do because... There was like a set rule for how, you know, how the end of the world was going to come about. And over the years, you know, we've seen these things kind of pop up. And just like any like philosophers and it, you can guess and then a 100 years later something happens. They're like, oh, my God, he called it. And it's like, no. But, you know, and even even now, the apocalypse horror always stuck with me because it was always relevant. Like you said, Christy. it was always relevant, mm-hmm. even these old movies still touch on the same and something that's stuck the same throughout our entire lives our parents lives our grandparents lives our religion they all kind of stay the same nothing's really changed about it so you get some of these like oh these are the signs of the apocalypse they're happening and i just wanted to throw this out just perfect timing and everything that went down like there's a locust plague in africa right now that's why you haven't heard a whole lot from them there are billions of locusts just taking over the entire country they're they're having issues with food they're gonna run out of food real soon and then we've got plague up here australia Uh, starts australia the
2: fires yeah the burning
0: bush that's like you know that's that's one of them and then you got all these we just had an asteroid that was supposed to like almost hit earth and it was all these things like even now we're seeing some of these signs except now they're like literal like in the rapture with the locusts and stuff like that's happening then you got you know pestilence we're talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and here's plague and pestilence and mm-hmm. all this other you know it's it's just i think i like those movies because we've seen it happen in real life but it just progressively has been getting worse so it kind of does y'all better start on, like, praying
2: personal, exactly. <laughs> it's like but then at that
0: point can you do anything like i'm a firstborn son so that's, <laughs> you know that's one of the things in that whole scenario is like the firstborn sons are going to disappear so if one day you can't get a hold of me, I either did something really stupid or I got raptured as fuck.
2: We'll miss you.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: I put when in a good I, word. I think,
3: <laughs> I, think it go, I think it goes to say I really, really dig... Um, when we're talking about movies from the 60s, from the 70s, from the 80s, when they dealt with apocalypse, you know, the obviously apocalypse being the Greek word for revelation and everything, but the... It uh, pretty much always centered around religion because that's where you get your most apocalyptic, mm-hmm. you know, imagery, mm-hmm. um, stuff, you know, stuff like that. But I, what I, what I really am enjoying from a horror, sp- from a horror. Sp- from a horror perspective, fuck, I can't talk right <laughs> sure, <sure>, about
0: um, <laughs> it. You hitting the I'm quarantine really, really, sauce a little bit too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
3: what I'm really enjoying is as we have progressed as society, technology has become so much more ingrained in our daily lives. You know, we're virtually cyborgs. Everyone's got a phone stuck in their hand. It's you know, the only thing is it's just not attached to us. When you, you might think otherwise, not but yeah. I've just noticed this as technology comes. It it opens up science. Science fiction opens up new, or what was science fiction has now become science, and that opens up new territories. So we begin to see, you know, as our as we progress our knowledge of the universe and our and our knowledge of reality, we begin to see other personal. You know, or other possible, you know, potential apocalypses. So it's it's opened the genre to embrace other things. So now we've got you know, we always had zombie apocalypse, and we had religious apocalypse. Now we can have technology apocalypse. We can oh, yeah, you know, we we, can, we have nuclear war as well. And I like what science fiction brought to it. It opened the doors, like things like the Terminator, mm. okay, because that dealt around Judgment Day, yeah, where, you know, with you know, yeah. the nuclear bombs dropped, the Third World War, and then of course you've got um, movies like Interstellar. One of my absolutely favorite films, like probably top five of all time. Love that movie and focuses on real issues, real apocalypse, world-ending shit. Mm -hmm. And while that wasn't a horror movie, that's what science fiction has done for us. Science fiction has been able to open up new doors for horror to go into. So we get really, really cool, interesting shit. Um, I just like that it's it's branched out. And who knows, 10, 20 years from now, we may get even... You know, more genres might be, as we discover more, as we advance ourselves, we may see even more stuff, which I'm really looking forward to. But, it is religion that I think works the best as, from a horror basis, and some people may, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. I was gonna say, some people may crucify me for this.
2: Oh! <laughs> uh, but, you
3: know, I honestly, for me, Religion has always worked the best as a horror basis because with nuclear Armageddon, those are bombs. It's tactile; we can see it. We're aware of it, and there it is. With climate change, um, it's yeah you know, the science is there. We understand it. Where you know we, these are these are tangible things that that occur. Okay, but with religion, because. Of the subjective nature of it, because of how it's interpreted by the individual, because individual experiences are are felt only by the individual. Everybody's got their own take on it, because this is it's very, very uh, what's it, for lack of a better word, it's very ephemeral, very ethereal. Okay, so you can open that up to all kinds of artistic interpretation, and people can feed their own personal fears into mm-hmm. it, and they, you know, you get the right director you know they can fucking run with that shit uh any you know major possession deal or where um like constantine was a good one mm-hmm. where you know you could get you know, where that was very very spectacle but you know there like the rapture there's a real there was a real horror to that even though i think it's pretty much classified as a thriller as a drama thriller but there was some horror horror aspects in that she, you know, taking her child out to the desert and waiting for this to happen and it doesn't happen and losing faith and shit and you know, that's some scary shit to some people. That's some real, like, you know, shaking in the fucking pew shit. Yeah, well, it, And I've always thought religion works the best to generate that kind of response out of an audience.
1: It, it does because you're able to combine certain elements that make horror impactful because right off the bat you have the supernatural element, right, where things that we can't control scare us. And so, you know, you get you can have your regular ghost movie and all that kind of stuff, and they can be kind of scary. But when you start throwing in, you know, like religion, you still get that supernatural element. But the one big thing about it is it becomes based off of, like, truth. It's based off of text that we believe. You know, regardless of what your personal, you know, religious beliefs may be, do we still look at the Bible as kind of an awe. Like, you know, I don't believe in it, but... Could it happen?
0: Kind of it's thing. It's just one of those what ifs.
2: Is, it, yeah. Is there something to this? There's a reason this book has been around as long as
1: it has. E- exactly. And another thing with religion, especially when it comes to religion apocalypse films, right? One of the biggest common denominators is we're not in control. Because in a nuclear you know, war or something like that, that's a person who presses the button
4: mm-hmm.
1: kind of thing. you know. But in, in a religion apocalypse, we're along for the ride. And there's nothing we can do
0: without like, without diving super too deep into religion and stuff. Like I'm, I, I'll go out there on record and say, I'm not, i not a huge religious believer. I've got my belief system and it's not necessarily based around anybody else's ideals, but I feel like a lot of religion, I guess the way that I always looked at it was religion was a place for people who couldn't explain something would go for answers And whether or not it's, it's real, or if the events that, you know, were in the book were true or, you know, made up, whatever, as long as, you know, it's, it's a belief system and so many people believe in the same thing that it's one of those things where it's like, can you conjure something with an ideal, you know, a lot of things that you see in your life, uh, most things that you see in your life are there because enough people believed in it and it's now there and so you've got things like religion and i think it's stuck for so long because people are are generally afraid of things that they can't explain i have my own belief system and i'm not afraid to like go outside of the box with that kind of stuff but when it comes down to it you've got this religion and then when something starts going haywire like this and this is actually something for the listeners i'm i'm wondering because And this is i'm not like i'm not like bashing on anybody or anything but a lot of like the you know look to god posts on facebook have stopped i have seen very little religious posts on facebook since this whole thing started and i kind of want to know why you know like now's the time where people should be churning to that kind of stuff because this is an unknown thing everybody's in it together like it's i think for me religion is interesting because so many people have the same belief. You know, I have my own separate beliefs, but when you get to Christianity, you know, like everybody has this, There is Jesus, you know, he died on the cross for our sins. If you repent, you'll be forgiven. You can go to heaven, you go to hell if you don't. And it's just a very set guideline. And then you get to the, the horror aspect of it where like, what happens if, okay, this is real, this turns out to be the thing, you know, that what if is, is for real now what the fuck do you do because it's already too late if you start seeing the signs of the apocalypse like it's already started there's i mean you can repent all you want but everything's been decided this is where it goes you know you're going to hear the trumpets it's going to be the seven year war or whatever you know like what where do you turn to then like when it's all going down you know do you feel comfortable and that's like i think where a lot of this is starting to split off and like i said i haven't seen a whole lot of posts i think it's because the people that believe in this stuff and they truly have committed are comfortable with where they're at you know and maybe just,
2: too i look mm. at it as humanity as a whole i feel like we've all come together i i feel like to with uh, the political arena in, in present day um, a religion gets thrown around and used in that a lot, and used incorrectly. So I I don't know if that's why people veer away from it at this moment too. But and I agree with you. I think maybe some have you know that that have grown up in a very religious background have come to peace with it. But I think too to start to look at it as. Humanity's coming together, and I think we're laying down our weapons, so sort to of speak. We're not fighting over silly things anymore, and we're looking at it as a whole. Like We're all in this. It doesn't matter what you believe, where you're from, what's going on. This is affecting the entire fucking world. I'm and glad
0: you said that. Yes.
2: Yeah.
3: The common, the common enemy it's, has arrived. That's yeah. what, see, I yeah. got
0: real, at the only point in time that I got nervous about this whole situation going on right now in the world is it's been quiet. And that's where it's like, okay, is it quiet because everybody finally realized that we were just all being assholes and maybe need to just take a fucking step back? Or, you know, is it quiet before the storm? So, I mean. And
2: then you could get a little uh, like spiritual with it and go, was this. God or uh, the above entity or universe or telling us like we need to calm the fuck down. Is this a test. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: hey, <you> <laughs> we, need to,
2: we need to calm down and 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 really look at what's this. important. Yeah,
0: well, I could fuck you up a lot harder.
2: <laughs> right, I'm <laughs> just giving you, I'm giving some of y'all a little cold. No, I mean it's not. It's serious. I don't want to downplay what's going on, but. Um, yeah, it makes it's, you wonder and, and, and it makes you I, I don't maybe a lot of us are, are realizing like you know we know we get mortality we get that we're not here forever but this is like in our face like this this is happening and this this could affect any of us saw, at any given moment
0: I saw a meme that said uh 2020 is not passing the vibe check, yo. And then somebody responded with, <laughs> 2020 is the vibe check.
4: Right.
2: I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree
0: with that. I
1: mean, you, you get something, you know, with this whole you know pandemic and everything like that. It doesn't care about your background, your economic status, your status, your social status, your race, religion, gender, you know, it doesn't care. And I think a lot of the things, when you have something that affects one group of people, it's easy for the rest of the world to go, well, it just affects them. It's not going to affect me or blah, 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 this kind of thing. But you get something where you get fair. celebrities that are getting it. You're getting political figures. Prince
2: Charles. Prince just Charles. <laughs> That's
4: crazy. Yeah.
1: And it it can go after anybody and when you get you know the common enemy the only way we can you know defeat it or put it in check is for all of us to band together absolutely and you know and this is is actually uh want to bring up this question to the audience i know we talked about religion and stuff like that and especially with christianity you know the seventh sign being um kind of an apocalypse, apocalypse religion horror film you know um, how do you feel about Christian horror films? You know, with the Seventh Sign, the Rapture. Uh, there are a couple of others that are out there. How do you feel about Christian horror? And is this is this still something that an issue that we can still make horror movies about? Kind of thing. You know, a lot of movies have been kind of gearing away towards religion a little bit here and now lately. But is so does Christian horror still have a place?
0: I do. That's that's a good question. You know, is it? Cause I know, as like a kid, everybody was so into going to church on Wednesdays and doing their thing, and it was church, church, church. Now nowadays, it's all iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. Like you know, this religious horror still
1: is it still a thing
0: with today's audience?
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question. So, so turning the tide a little.
3: You know, I keep looking, I keep looking for an opportunity to drop. We got we got so deep and so dark on this. I keep, looking, I keep looking for an opportunity to drop a your mother sucks cocks in hell joke. <laughs> and I can't
2: find it. I got a little spooked when he started talking about the trumpets in the street. I'm like, holy shit, have you guys been seeing the videos of the people out on their balconies playing their trumpets and their keyboards? Yeah. And their I'm oh, like, yeah, oh Italy. my god, is that another sign? I know <laughs> we've always had
0: like, the signs and stuff, but this one is literally hitting all of them. Like, literally. Not you, even, like, figuratively. No. <laughs> have you seen so the pictures wild. of the plague, the locusts, down in Africa? Africa.
1: Yes. It is
0: insane. They are getting completely, there are countries down there, or whatever, Providence, whatever they have down there. And entire villages are being completely wiped because they have no food. All these locusts just came and ate all their food. China sent, like, a, a ridiculous amount of ducks over to, like, try to battle the locusts. It's just, it's wow. insane. I
3: bless I bless the rains down in Africa. Yeah,
0: <laughs> with locusts. <Gosh. laughs> I bless the rains with a bunch of locust <laughs> eggs.
3: So wild, uh, so Alex, what do
0: we got next? <laughs> Changing the tune a little bit, I guess, kind of. <laughs> we're, we're at, nice segue. At an April First film, an April Fools' film back in 2011. The, uh, the very brilliant film Insidious dropped. Uh, directed by James Wan, written by Lee Wanell, Wanell, Lee W. Uh, yeah, eventually
3: he's going to find you and butt you in the face. Uh, <laughs>
0: he could. You never know. It's a fucking crazy world right now.
1: Will he be on the podcast afterwards?
3: <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully.
0: Can you do it on film? Uh, this was starring Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, uh, Ty Simpkins. Lee Shane, Lee Wano was actually one of the uh, characters in this. He played in this movie is Spex. Um, Angus Sampson, and a few that I had never actually looked into. Um, uh, Lorraine was played by Barbara Hershey, that was one I didn't know off the top of my head. Uh, this movie follows a child, I guess long story short, goes into a coma and um, it plays off of astral projection a lot, which I thought was really cool. But this kid goes into a coma and weird stuff starts happening. And see, like, I guess I, I was talking about the religion thing, like, it's kind of like a possession film, but not quite. This kid's in a coma, he goes into this other plane, and it uh, turns out his dad can astral project and tries to find him. And it's, this movie is just absolutely brilliant when it comes to camera work. And this was like a super low budget film. Um, that I, I don't know this is probably one of my favorite it came in 2011 i was like 21 at the time i was kind of really getting into you know seeing all these new movies that were coming out And this one kind of blew everyone out the water i remember this being talked about for a long time
2: i agree this is this is one of my favorite films as well
0: it's and you know it spawned the the fourth one which i actually have not seen the final one but the the first three i saw it and It was hard because the first one was like real scary. It was like, okay, you can tell it's a low budget film. Everything kind of came together really well. You know, it had the scary demon thingy in the corner, and like I think it was the
3: the the lipstick face. Demon. Yeah, yeah. The
0: lipstick. Yeah, exactly. The demon. And so I think rewatching this movie, I think one of my favorite parts of this movie was the dialogue. Honestly, because that was that was even creepy. Like when the kid was talking to his mom, and he's like, "Can I um, can I change rooms?" and then. She's like, why? And it's like, because Dalton. She's like, what? She's like, I don't like when he walks around at night. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But yeah, I think the, the dialogue had a lot to play into this. It really played with like the hairs on the back of your neck. They'd say things that would like, whoa, wait a second.
3: Yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and one thing about this movie is... Like, a lot of times when you have the supernatural and they have, like the, like, the jump scares, when you get to the end, it's like, oh, there's the main villain, and then the villain's there, and they have the battle and all this other kind of stuff, and then the, kind of the movie ends. And you're like, oh, okay, the last 15 minutes, well, whatever, you're fine, you watch the battle climax and everything. This movie is so tense and relentless. You're like, there he is. Now he's gone. No, another no, jump he gonna, scare. Where okay, is he okay. The final. Now he's gone scared. again. <laughs> oh, where'd he go? <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. And it's like a, it's like just right after the bat, it just keeps like coming at you. constantly. Are you kidding me?
2: The opening sequence. Like I, I had. I remember when this movie came out. I didn't watch it until la- I was going to watch it last night. I wound up watching it today actually, because last night in that opening sequence as they're doing the opening credits and it goes to that mirror and you see that face and that eerie sound that they have in the very beginning i'm like fuck nope turning it off i'm watching this in the daylight i'm not <laughs> so i watched it this morning <laughs> like i couldn't do it last night but you're right it's intense all the way through being a low budget it, like they used everything that they had at 100% the, the camera, the camera angles, the way it was edited, what they did with the light and the shadows. Brilliant. It made it so much more terrifying. And even though the makeup and, and things like that, you could, you know, or tell there wasn't a lot of crazy, insane effects, but it was still terrifying. I mean, and yeah, all the way around for a low budget, this thing they used everything they possibly could to make it absolutely terrifying.
3: Hell yeah. Oh, definitely. They um, This is uh, Insidious, the Insidious, the Insidious franchise being one of the ones that really put Blumhouse on the map, um, just being one of their earliest big hits. But the killer thing on this, you had James Wan behind the wheel. And James Wan would, you know, directly, he was the co-creator of the Saw franchise, working with light and, and shadow and his cinematography skills, his ability to direct horror. It's just, phenomenal um so you had him behind the wheel and then you've got just the talent in front of the camera I'm particularly yeah, I love Patrick Wilson I love Rose Byrne um they're fantastic actors I love the fact that Lynn Shea we talked about her uh, much earlier when we first started the podcast we came across Lynn Shea and I love her to death she is such a phenomenally underrated actress and she got to you know this got to be a, a character that she got to run with for four films um and you have all of this coming together on such a you you mentioned it and such an infinitesimally small budget. I think the budget on this bad boy was one and a half mil.
0: Yeah, it was like one point five mil.
3: Yeah, one one and a half million dollars to shoot the scenes that they shot and do the things that they did and great, you know, grossed almost a hundred million worldwide. So I mean, obviously. Blumhouse knows what they're doing. We've seen, we've seen what they're doing with the Halloween, re, uh, you know, the Halloween um, continuation of that storyline. You know, James Wan and Lee Wannell uh, you know, in, in front of and behind the camera. These guys know what they're doing. So it goes to show, you don't need the money as long as the passion and the talent is behind you to make dynamic horror. You make the best of what you have, and we can see that they did that with, you know, the focus on small things, small mood setting things. Focus on your lighting. Focus on your sound. Focus on your uh fo- on your camera angles. I love the camera work in Insidious. It is so sharp.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: guys who really knew what they who these guys who cut their teeth on some really serious horror films. You know, before they got into this one, then we can start going into more atmospheric, more moody shit. Especially, you see that you see the real breadth of their work when they start moving in between. I think they call in the movie they called it the the other.
2: The fur- furthers.
3: Yeah, the, the further. furthers, furthers. That's it. When they yeah. start when they start astral going into the astral realm, they start going in and they start encountering the different denizens that live, the different spirits that live there that are trying to jump in and possess the little boy. And then they start going into the different... Each one has their own kind of atmosphere. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the cinematography on that just blew me the fuck away.
1: Yeah. And it's... What helps is being able to get the most out of your budget on it and... One of my favorite quotes from Christopher Nolan is hide your budget, that no one should ever look at your film and go, clearly they could not afford to do that. And you never get a sense of that with this film because when you look at it, it's primarily two locations. It's two houses. It really is. Yeah. And you get that, you know, they're moving to that first house and they're there for a while. You know, you get creepy stuff and you end up going to the second house. But being able to then go back to that house when they go into the further, that alternate dimension, because now the house has a different feel of it. You know, now you have it's like, kind of like a light fog that was there, especially with the lighting. A lot of it was lit by just a lamp that he mm-hmm. was holding kind of thing.
3: and Oh, that that freaking, get that, that. That gaslight, that old lamp. Yeah, that oh old, my God. the old yes. school oh, lamp. Yes, so perfect.
1: And that way, you know, we reveal it from his perspective kind of thing. Because, you know, he walks in the living room and he sees, like, the creepy ghost sitting on the couch mm-hmm. and everything. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, like, there's...
2: looking behind me right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it just... Now, instead of doing your regular traditional lighting and stuff like, you know, what we call practical lights, lights you see on camera, like lamps and stuff like that, you know, when they're living in it. Now, this time, you get that, you know, that blue lamp has this nice blue tint to it. It's a misty, kind of a foggy kind of tint.
2: It changes, yeah, you're right. It changes the entire mood. That that scene where he's, they're walking through all of these entities that are now trying to get to them. I, I mean, you can only see be just beyond their light, and and you have no idea what's out there. You're like there could be hundreds, but obviously, budget wise, that's not the case. But the way they shot that with that light and the dark shadows, just leaving it open for your own interpretation, made it even more terrifying.
3: Oh, the the dancing boy still gives me chills. <laughs> <laughs> it really does, and I I think I think they they adhere to. And to, to give them the credit that that's due, they they kind of adhered to the James Cameron, uh, the early James Cameron mentality, is that is practical effects. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. you know, do everything you can in camera, is the whole big is, is was the whole deal. That I mean, that's part of what I attribute to the success the the success of both Terminator and Aliens, especially Aliens, is everything in that sequel was done in camera. There was nothing there there were no effects done post mm-hmm. in that thing. Everything was done with either miniatures or, you know, miniatures with matte backdrops or people in suits or animatronics on fucking cranes and shit. That that's how you do that. You do everything in camera and that keeps your budget down. You may spend a bit on the, you know, the production as far as making this stuff but you're going to save it on the back end because that's oh, where you sure. I mean yeah. for, first you pay first you pay your talent and then you wonder how much money you've got for post
2: <laughs> no no fix it in post <laughs> fix
3: it in post <laughs> exactly and as long as you get to you can shoot everything up front especially digital now we can we can shoot as much as we want you know it's just a matter of going through it on the back end but you wanna save that money. You wanna nail everything in post. That way you just go to the things that you want in the editing suite and you just knock it the fuck out. And that was one thing I think just like in just like in the saw films, um, Juan and uh and Wannel were able to do that so successfully and capture everything like right there in the in the like in the screen. With the what you see on camera is what is fucking happening on that set.
0: God see and I loved what Juan did with this. Did you did you know this movie was actually only shot in three weeks? They finished it in three weeks. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Yeah, they finished the whole thing in three weeks. And so, like, and then after, uh, because I know Chapter 2 came out, like, two years after that. But Saw had been going on for a while, and James Wan. So, I was doing some research on this film, just poking around. And so, um, at about a half an hour into the movie in the classroom, um, there's a drawing of Billy the Puppet. Who was in Saw, and there was a number eight underneath the puppet on the chalkboard. And it was supposed to be like a nod towards the eighth movie coming out of Saw, and um, it, just him throwing that in there. Um, and then stuff like okay, so Insidious, James Wan, the whole Conjuring thing like this was not a part of the Conjuring universe, but then you've got like, um, uh, what's his face that played Josh in the movie, Patrick Wilson. Um, would go on to play Ed Warren um, and Josh's mother in the movie was named Lorraine and so Patrick Wilson went on to play uh, Ed Warren who was the husband of Lorraine Warren in The Conjuring that came out a couple of years after that so like him just playing around with all these movies that he's done he's got this whole universe the conjuring universe that's taken off and then you've got the saw movies and then you've also got this and he kind of puts little hints in all of the movies to the other movies like when they were going to come out or like well, plot lines well, now and stuff. we've
3: got now we've got a whole new universe because we've got because the conjuring films are linked to the insidious films which are linked to the annabelle film the
0: conjuring films did not get linked to the insidious films directly and i don't think that connection was actually even made until like the third or the last movie But um, I'm
3: pretty sure that everything everything is is running in the same universe. It's called the Conjuring universe. Okay, just
0: just to be fair, the reading that I was doing, um, it said that they were not insidious was outside of the Conjuring universe.
1: Well, it's like I don't they weren't intending to make a universe kind of thing Right. right off the bat. But it's like all of a sudden you get Patrick Wilson that crosses over and then he's like, well, what if we start kind of dropping little nuggets and little hens here? And then they eventually ended up together. I don't think they went in with Nasidious or The Conjuring and being like, oh, we're going to start a new horror you know, universe. Oh, yeah. no, no. I think Right. The Conjuring
0: came turned, out two years after. It, accident, yeah. it
3: accidentally turned into the horror MCU. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and so rambled. then, yeah, you got stuff like I think The Nun is even part of uh, The Conjuring yeah. yeah. as well. It is, so, is,
3: so is The Crooked, the crooked Man as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, so, like, just the way that he plays around with that, like, because Insidious, I think, Insidious came out two years before The Conjuring did. Yeah. And then so the way that he kind of, like, formed all that stuff to kind of run into each other, like, I, I, I think we could probably see some stuff coming out of that.
4: Oh, I, Still, absolutely. I
0: mean, even, even to this day.
1: I mean, t- I guess
0: which you know that that brings up a question for the audience: the the direction of this franchise. You know, the Insidious—they did uh, what was it? The fi- what was the last one called?
3: The the final key.
0: Yeah, the final key. And
3: te- technically, the final key was the second prequel to the first. One. Right, right. The last so they one went came back
0: out. after they they started the whole universe. So, I mean, like wrapping this all together. You know, you've got like the Marvel universe and the DC and all these superheroes and stuff. What about like the the horror side of it? I think we could coming from. i hadn't seen the last key but from uh the third movie the prequel i guess um and then watching the conjuring conjuring 2 and annabelle and all that stuff i think this could tie into probably a whole slew of new horror films in this specific universe bringing more in
3: bring on the amity the
0: horror seriously (laughs) (laughs) bring it in and hey bring it up like bring it up to date Bring it all the way up to date. So I don't know. That's that's a question for the audience. Do you think they should they should keep this franchise running in in a direction, or should they close it off as soon as possible? I think they should they should run this into at least another ten films.
1: <laughs> I would see ten more films.
0: So I mean, okay. So does the the Paranormal Activity does that tie in at all?
1: No, no, it's uh, different people. No,
3: no, that's yeah, that's different. Different
0: universe. Yeah. Okay. See, now I'm trying to, like, piece shit together. Right, I'm sitting here, my, my wheels
2: are spinning, I'm like, huh.
0: Because there were so many movies that ended up linking into that. Even, like, The Nun, that just came out, and that's part of that whole universe. <laughs> what movie did I, did we just go over last week? Um, The one with uh, Dead Silence. I mean, that, yeah. you oh, can even yeah. tie that into it.
3: I, I was going to mention, because Billy the Puppet is in Dead yeah.
0: Silence as well. Uh. Yeah, see, so that, that even ties into it. it. It all goes back.
1: It's all together. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Fuck yeah. Let's get it going. James Wan, where are you at?
4: <laughs>
0: we just want to talk. We just want to talk. We, talk. Just, we just want to throw the some the ideas camera out cuts there. That's over to
3: James as, The camera cuts to James as he's sitting at his desk counting his money. <laughs> Jesus, Alex, I said I'm busy. <laughs> With my the Aquaman poster behind
1: him.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. You're a true artist,
0: <laughs> Love, Fond. All right, hey, Jail. I think you're going to take us to our uh, our last film of the night.
3: Yes. Um, this is kind of bittersweet for me um, because well, it's it's a favorite it's a favorite you know film of film series of mine because it's H.P. Lovecraft based. This came out April fourth, two thousand three. The third film in the series, uh, Beyond Reanimator. <laughs>
0: Animator, -animator, (laughs) reanimator, beyond (laughs) reanimator. It's
3: absolutely, I freaking love this film. Um, The third, you know, the third uh, and final installment in the reanimator film series. Um, Directed by Brian Yusna and uh, the screenplay by Jose Manuel Gomez and starring the legend Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Herbert West, uh, Tommy Dean Musett, Jason Barry, Barbara Eloretta, and Elsa Pataki. And in this third installment of the franchise of the H.P. Lovecraft uh, inspired or actually it's based on H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West reanimator story, Um, in this third installment after the events of the second film uh, Dr. West finds himself in prison having gone to jail and been convicted for one of the deaths at the hands of one of his zombies in the second film and being a doctor is able to ingratiate himself kind of into the staff eventually winds up kind of working as a you know, uh, in the limited means a doctor, but then finally, then soon, Weasels his way to be able to continue his experiments within the uh, prison, within the within the walls of the prison, using it as a, as a giant laboratory. Um, and of course, they expand along, and it gets really grisly, really gory, <laughs> really. <grisly. laughs> um, like I said, this is bittersweet for me because uh, one of the directors of Reanimator, uh, du- you know, of uh, Legendary H.P. Uh, Lovecraft lover like myself, director Stuart Gordon, just recently passed away.
0: He did, Aww.
3: and that made me sad because Stuart loved H.P. Lovecraft. He adapted many of his films, or many of his books. He did, he did uh, Reanimator from Beyond. Um, he did uh, Edgar Allan Poe. did The Pit and the Pendulum. Uh, Castle Freak was based off H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, God, the he, pendulum. Ooh. Yeah, Dagon. Uh, so many good ones. He was also he also uh, appeared on the Masters of Horror series, which we talked about. Um, just made me sad uh, that we just recently lost him. Um, and just to throw it out there for those who don't know, because this is this is gonna kind of surprise you. The guy behind the reanimator series, the guy behind like Dagon. This dude directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 89.
2: What?
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Oh,
2: my God. He, that's right. Or he, oh,
3: sorry sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, I apologize. Let me let me retract. He didn't direct it.
0: He wrote it. He wrote it. Yeah, I
2: was wrote gonna it. Say, he, okay. was he wrote yeah. Honey, I
3: Shrunk the Kids. Yes. He didn't direct that, but he was the writer. Like, he wrote it. The, the guy who wrote, like, Dagon and, and Castle Fiend, okay, which are some seriously awesome, you know, next level horror films, wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So, this guy had a mind for it he also wrote that the creepy fucking movie dolls which is just one of the more, more disturbing doll films i've ever seen.
0: We don't have to talk about but that it. But i loved I loved him to death.
3: I'm going <laughs> to miss him. He i always I, I loved it when he always dropped a new HP Lovecraft adaptation um or at, or at Edgar Allan Poe because his work on Pit, the, his you know his direction of and the pendulum was stellar. So i just miss him that recently happened and uh, you know we mentioned it on the Daily Splatter. Um so you know, rest in peace to Stuart Gordon. Uh, we're gonna miss you. But uh, going on to this film, absolutely, I think the other than the first one, because the first one set the tone. Uh, Beyond ReAnimator is actually my second favorite of the of the of the whole trilogy. Two kind of meandered a little bit, and I think really couldn't find its footing. Whereas three put a more solid focus on Herbert and Herbert's mission, and plus introduced a character that was. Pretty much H.P. Lovecraft, who came in as kind of his assistant at one point. Um, so it was just, I think, the second best of the series. whereas the first one was awesome, but this third one def- uh, definitely a much a must watch. And I'm glad because I heard that Christy, you had not seen any of these before yet. I have,
2: have you? not. I had not seen any of these. This was the one and only that I've seen. So now I want to go back and watch the other two, um, just to see how the whole series kind of comes together. Um, I I enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do I say this? I love you, J.L. I did not love this film.
0: <laughs> this is one. That's of the, okay this is one to of say. The, this isn't this is like a critic review. You. you can go it, for it.
3: Exactly. This is one of the absolute beauties of doing this podcast. And one thing I fucking love about having special guests on here is that more often than not. Nobody's as big a horror nerd as, as as pretty much as there are a few out there, but we are gigantic fucking horror nerds. We <laughs> and I've seen virtually I've seen I, I can't think of one I haven't seen. I love dropping a new film like this in somebody's lap and saying, "This is what we're gonna do. This is what we're right. about." Right? Well,
2: you did. I, I
3: you go watch um, this. So
2: yeah, can I say my my favorite part of the whole film? <laughs> please don't. Oh yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> don't hate me. My favorite part of the whole film was the the rat during the credits fighting the detached penis. (laughs)
4: That
2: was my favorite part. (laughs) Um, Okay,
0: I I gotta go back real quick. Uh, What was the film that we covered? Um, It's fleeting for some reason. We just covered it not too long ago, guys. It was a super gory one. Um, that was almost like Evil Dead style with the lawnmower attached to his chest. Why can't I remember the name of it? Oh, right.
1: Dead Alive.
4: Right, dead. Right. Dead
0: yeah, alive. Dead, dead alive. alive. Yeah, Christy, check out Dead Alive. Okay. All right,
2: I'm going to put it on my <laughs> why, would you,
0: why the?
3: Okay, yes, Christy. Yes, Christy, please watch Dead Alive. It's directed by Peter Jackson. It was his third film, I believe. I believe it was the third or the fourth film of Peter Jackson. Um, keep in mind... Peter Jackson did some really fucking sick shit in his early years, before he went on to do Lord of the Rings and epic stuff. Okay, okay. it's on
2: my. I just put it in my phone. It's official. I'll oh, watch so it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we never hear from I her mean, again. You even, like, on <laughs> right. YouTube I think. And,
2: I kick uh, ass for the those. Lord. <laughs>
3: And for Uh, those listeners listening, this was the last time Christy spoke with me. Uh, um, You're
2: lucky we go way back. (laughs) We
3: we parted as friends, but now meet on the field of battle amidst amidst the quarantine. Right. So (laughs) I hope you forgive me for watching that. I absolutely
2: forgive you. No, it it was definitely an interesting ride. I scratched my head quite a lot during this. I there were so many things for me in this film where I'm like, God, I see where they were going, but they didn't quite hit the mark for me. That's just me personally. But, um, I want, I'm still going to go back and watch the other two because I want to see how this all goes together. And I get it. It's a horror film and it's fun. And, um, but I'm one of those weirdos that like, I don't want to be thrown out of the story. Um, and I, there were just parts of it where I was like, Oh, you're almost there. You almost had me, even though I get, okay, it's horror. Like you're, some of this is really not not believable Um, I loved the guy who um, was cut in half swinging down the hallway (laughs) that was fucking brilliant I loved it I don't know how he launched himself so quickly at <laughs> the, the end. Like, did he find a catapult? No, but <laughs>
1: really strong arms,
3: you know,
2: <laughs> right. No, she- it,
3: sheer, sheer fucking will. Right. I mean, ah! <laughs>
2: he's like, this is it for me. I'm going to go out and with a bang. No, um, I, I enjoyed, um, Oh gosh, what was the female character's name? I I that she kept going back and forth. She had this internal battle. That was awesome. I liked that part. Um, but still, my favorite was the ending um, with the rat.
3: Are you talking about the uh, the the girl? The girl that? Um, oh shit! Uh, El, uh, Laura.
0: Yes,
2: yes, Laura. Thank yes. you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes.
3: That's right. Yeah.
2: I I loved what they did with her character. That was that was a lot of fun.
0: They did focus on yeah that development a lot, which was cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and they couldn't – there were parts oh, – obviously, go there were parts that could have developed a little further. Overall, though, it w- it was a fun ride, um, but then there were parts, and I'm like, what in the fuck's going on?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then, And then it ended, and I was like, okay, and then the rat, and I was like, oh, my God. That's my favorite part. I just want to watch that.
4: <laughs> like, where's
2: the penis going? Are they going to be friends? What's happening? <laughs> like, there's a penis loose in this prison now. Like, what?
0: <laughs> hey, sometimes shit happens when you play. Right?
2: right.
0: <laughs>
3: it's prison. We all have to make
0: choices. Very
2: true. <laughs> but
3: I'm telling you, uh, the, th- the thing that sells all three of the films for me is one of my most beloved actors fucking jeffrey combs
2: yes yes
1: yeah jeffrey combs makes this series he plays a character herbert west who's in all three of them right he plays the same character throughout and i mean as everybody throughout the series is questioning should we do this should we not do this you know should we inject him with this and this he's the one that like pushes but the thing is he's so persuasive like even in the first reanimator, where you're like, "Man, this sounds like a bad idea," but somehow, he talked me science. into it. <laughs> right,
4: <laughs> because yeah. science, bitch.
2: He's really like, "Let's just see what the fuck happens," yeah. but but he convinces everyone else, "No, this is necessary." And you, can <laughs> he no, because it's it's, it's it's just happen. like okay. It's great because
1: a lot of times you have like the crazy scientists, and you're watching these movies, and you're like. No, 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 no. I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. No, 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 no. But, of course, the characters do it anyway. I watch the reanimator series. I'm like, man, that guy makes a good point. <laughs>
2: <No>. Right?
0: <laughs> Thanos wasn't wrong. <laughs>
3: you had to go there. But, yes, his... uh, I love Jeffrey Gum's work. He's such a you know, legendary character actor. Um, I love that he... My, of all of his characters, I think his favorite. His favorite. I mean, he did a ton of work on Star Trek, uh, Next Generation. You can see him in that, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But I think ultimately, I'm gonna have to give to while I love the Reanimator series. I adored him in the Frighteners, yep. uh, directed by Peter Jackson, and his work in that one as the the creepy, antsy FBI agent. It was just spot on. I fucking loved him in that role. He's
2: oh, got yeah. one of those. He's got one of those faces. I mean, he's not a big dude, but he has one of those faces where he can make these expressions that just send chills down your back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was also in the uh, House on Haunted Hill, the one that came out like in...
3: Oh, yeah. shit. Yes, That's right. He was, the, he was the, the, the crazy doctor. Yes. Motherfucker, yeah. Such a good
0: movie.
1: It is, uh, it is a good movie. <laughs> Kind of thing. I mean, he just his performance and the characters he just nails them, and he's just creepy. But he can be creepy, charismatic, and then switch to
3: no, I'm just going to be straight fucking creepy, like on a right. Die. <laughs> you know what? you, know, you know what? That you suddenly strike a real good point, Eugene. Is that you? You take a, a character actor like uh, Jeffrey Combs, and there are very you know various other actors like uh, various other actors in that vein, but also like an actor like Nicolas Cage. And I know it seems like I'm dropping that like out of nowhere, but also a you know a serious character actor, with an extreme um, ideology when it comes to act, extreme an extreme approach to acting, you know, with German expressionism and stuff like that. But you get these really solid character actors, and it seems to be these are the individuals that can these really talented character actors that can make Lovecraftian horror work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because there is a. There is a certain level, unlike straight horror, there's a certain level of absurdity that must go into this. And it takes a particular grasp of character acting in order to go into the absurd without it becoming stupid or glib or, you know,
4: pedantic.
2: Oh, yeah. It still has to be somewhat believable and the performances are what do it for you. I mean, if, if they don't make you believe what they're doing, you're completely out of the story.
3: Right. I think that that may have been one of the things that stood in the way of Lovecraftian horror. Why the ones that we got were usually low budget. Usually they dined on spectacle alone. Um, It was some gooey gross things that you saw and really not that much. Um, Whereas Lovecraft dealt in the absurd and the psychologically terrifying and the overwhelming sense of dread. A lot? Just the, the kind of like... The the you know I, I I to give it an appeal, Let's see if I were to personify it, I would say Lovecraft walked in the okay the Dark Knight. Everyone remembers Dark mm-hmm. Knight. Heath Ledger's the Joker, fucking amazing. Whenever the Joker was about to have a scene, Eugene, you remember what they did with the music? How it was that kind of tinny. Oh yeah. That kind of buzzing that increased
1: mm-hmm, the off pitch notes okay, yeah the chord yeah. yeah it
3: started off low and then it just increases into the scene lovecraft exists in that in that area where it's a constant just sense and it takes a brilliant actor to walk that fine line to da- or, you know and and to be able to dance on either side oh,
4: for and sure. maintain
3: their balance and that's why i think with with Nicholas cage is perfect for this which is why Two Lovecraftian style films, Mandy and Color Out of Space, you know, and he was phenomenal in both
0: mm-hmm. because
3: he captured that.
0: I think he can play that that character. So with when it comes down to like Lovecraftian horror, um, like you said, it it plays off of those things, but at the same time, it's uh, like it's it's playing off of stuff that you can't comprehend. It's, it's stuff that, like, uh, you're talking Lovecraft, like, you know, like Cthulhu, or you're talking uh, Colorado Space. A lot of it has to do with, like, I, I've noticed a lot of his stuff has to do with, like, you know, the science and space and the vast universe that we just don't understand. But when it comes yes, down, it, yes. when it really pulls it in, you know, a lot of people would say, like, it's like a cosmic horror. It's 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 less about necessarily space as it is playing off of things that you cannot comprehend as a human being because like the universe is so vast. We'd never be able to understand it. It plays off of things that like, like, see, we're going to go back to the coronavirus. It's something that is terrifying and it's, it's huge. It's out there, but it's something that we just don't know anything about. And you're afraid of not being able to under it's the fear of not understanding what's happening. Well, not being able to see
2: it. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah. it's there you can't see it you
0: can't see it and it, like it goes all the way to like see I always whenever I think Lovecraft the first thing that always comes to my head is Cthulhu because that's like you know that plays off of like
3: the mythos yeah yeah
0: yeah, the mythos and all that, all that stuff that he did but you know you get into stuff like you know people it, it started around the 60s and then you got stuff like Sam Raimi bases a lot of stuff off of Lovecraft so you see a lot of you know like the evil Dead, even
3: John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, John yeah, the John vein, Carpenter the vein, and uh the vein, Prince of Darkness um uh, in the mouth, in of, the mouth madness. of madness. That's oh, what I was yes. looking for. Yeah, yeah. I remember
0: that. And so like Sam, it's it's this Sam stuff was that it off
3: the fucking hook in that oh. It'll just
0: I mean even to like the the uh, the mist like you know it's that's e- kind e- of a e- loosely e- based e- that's just like e- a e- you know e- we e- have e- kind e- of an e- understanding of that but um uh the Colorado Space the book like when you really get into it, it's like, man, you're there's something there. You just don't know what. You don't know how it works. You can't comprehend what it's doing, and that's what you fear. And that's I I think, growing up and watching like Sam Raimi play off of that left and right, um, I think that's what really draws me into Lovecraftian horror. Holy, is holy like, shit,
3: Bruce Campbell! Bruce Campbell is one of those character actors that can do that.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about Nick Cage and like, yeah, he played a lot of goofy roles, but he really plays like, I, uh, I started the color out of space. I did not get to finish it yet. But just the fact that he can like, in a scene, he can look at something and you can tell that he's terrified, but is also trying to understand it. Like, then you really play into those characters because like, okay, I don't get what's going on, but this guy kind of seems like he knows what's happening. He's going to pursue it. I'm going to follow a couple steps behind him. And so, like, a lot of the the Lovecraftian stuff is, like, you get behind – you got to have a good character in there, but you can get behind um, somebody that's, like, you know, trying to get into it. And, like, I was – when I was – when we started talking about this and Lovecraftian horror and stuff, I was really getting into it. And um, there was a movie uh, called Beyond the Black Rainbow.
3: Yes. Uh, Panos Cosmatos. It was his first one. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yep. – Um this is going to be a total fucking reach, but I don't know if you ever watched, uh, what was the one that just came out? The black summer. Uh, it was a zombie film. That was a prequel to world. Oh, War the Z, pre- or not world. War yeah, Z? No, um, no,
3: no prequel to, um, uh, yeah, it was at that sci-fi show. Um, fuck yeah. Z nation, Z nation. Oh, yeah. That was it. Yeah.
0: And so in Z nation, they had a whole, there was a whole, sequence where they were chasing after this black rainbow and i i'd I'd sworn because i'd just seen z nation pretty recently and so like i was like i swear the black rainbow i heard it somewhere and i had looked it up and it was a movie that i had seen before and so like even people that like have nothing to do with that whole lovecraftian i guess i don't even know like you know you got all these movies and stuff they weren't trying to play off the lovecraftian thing but they still took those elements from it Because those have been so deeply embedded in anybody that's into horror, any sort of genre. There's been Lovecraftian influences in it, and pretty much across the board. I mean, like, you can look into, like, Supernatural. There's even, like, a a Lovecraft, like, Supernatural um, episode where Lovecraft is, like, a backstory character. Um, The Cabin in the Woods plays off of a lot of it. Like you know, it's it's the influence is so there. He knew what he was doing from the beginning, and it played into every all the way up until um, e- even this year. There's a there's a movie coming out called uh, Underwater coming out from uh, William Eubank. Oh yeah. Called uh, Cthulhu Mythos, or there's it's tied into the Cthulhu Mythos. Um, but there's some creatures in this underwater movie that are going to be from you know past stories that Lovecraft has come out with. And so, just and like,
3: I, know, I know that um with the release of color out of space i know that there there is plans for that production gonna be they're doing a lovecraftian trilogy
0: well they couldn't so do the, it the, they couldn't do it three, off of uh where do you think they're gonna go with that because they can't do the second the, well, uh, book we, what is it we, the curse or the whatever. Second,
3: we know the second one the second one will be the Dunwich horror
0: okay yeah because okay. it couldn't be the curse because that didn't really have much to do with the first book anyways okay.
3: Yeah, so what we don't we know so the first one is the Color Out of Space, and the second one will be the Dunwich Horror, but we do not know what the third one will be. Ooh. But um, they haven't announced a cast or anything for the Dunwich Horror, so I'm really curious about that one. But I'm loving this revival that we may have finally gotten ourselves into both a into an area where we have actors that understand the source material, and we have the technology, the you know, to shoot this shit.
0: Both we have in the technology and in camera you gotta like you gotta bring it in but you also gotta bring it back like you gotta take it back to like that old grainy style feel with modern because i was watching like the color out of space like it played so well off of the story that like i don't know that was great if you haven't seen it yet i'm not even gonna get into it because it's brand new but if you haven't seen it yet go watch i'm only halfway through it and i'm like oh my god i gotta finish this
3: oh it's wild so that that brings us to the point. I gotta. I, I want to ask the audience. Um, for all of you listeners out there who have seen the end the Reanimator series, um, should should it be? Is, it could we remake it? Could we remake the Reanimator series? Could we redo that? Retell that story again? Re, maybe redo the trilogy. Maybe change some stuff up. Or is the Reanimator series best where it is? Left alone. The classic Jeffrey Combs character. Don't recast it. Leave it alone. It's perfect the way it is. I want to know what people think about that. Is this one destined for a remake, or can we just say, nope, Jeffrey Combs had that, Stuart Gordon, he landed that fucking fish, let's keep it right there. You know, that, that's the trophy. We're not going to go back and touch that. We're going to do something else. I want to know what the audience thinks about
1: that. I want to go on record to say that it should be left alone. That's just my opinion. That is my opinion. But I think the series is so great, and I don't know what a remake would do to add to the series. See, I feel like I'm it would take away.
2: I feel. I feel like it would take away. Like, okay, it was not one of my favorite films, as I said. But <laughs> as a whole, like, leave it alone. I, to try to redo it, I'm not a fan of any time anyone tries to remake any kind of film. I just like. Leave, but this series in itself, like, I, like I said, I want to go back and watch the two because I think I'll find love for it. I think I will. I <laughs> 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 but that being said, no, I, I, I don't. I don't think they should.
0: I think honestly, if they since you know I've seen I've seen all three of them, I think if they could make one film with the whole story, I think they could probably do pretty well with it.
3: Interesting, interesting thought. I think they should leave it alone. Just don't touch it. Um, work on other things. There's plenty of other source material out there to touch. You know, Stuart Gordon landed this one. He did perfect. Him and Brian Yuzna, yeah, let the, let their master work. Rest, stay where it
0: is. <laughs> I guess if we were going Lovecraftian, you know, with all this dystopian shit going on right now, like <laughs> you could probably Speaking of
3: probably which, uh, speaking of which uh, Christy, another recommendation for you. If you get the opportunity this one is on Amazon Prime It's called Black Mountainside
2: Black Mountainside, I'm putting that on my phone now. Like I said, I've gotten out in the time Y'all are making me lovers of horror film again.
3: <laughs> hey, if yes, you're
0: into dude. zombies too, check out Black Summer and then watch Z Nation if you haven't
2: I saw Z Nation. I will watch Black Summer.
0: It's really hard to get through the first probably three or four episodes of Z Nation. But after you get through those first three or four, the series is fantastic. And I know a lot of people that stop in like the second episode.
2: Okay. Thanks for letting
0: me know. Keep (laughs) keep going. I know it's really hard. It's ridiculous. There's a... There's a zombie baby, and that's where people just get turned off. Don't worry about the zombie baby. Keep moving <laughs> forward. It is fantastic. But, yeah, like I said, that, that whole Black Rambo thing, that tripped me out when I made Full Circle. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> there's Lovecraft. <laughs>
3: All right. So, moving on, we have got one birthday this week. Eugene, who do we have? We
1: have one of the most iconic actors of all time, right? His first film credit is in 1953, and he's still putting out movies to this day, right? uh He already has two that are in post production, right? And
0: hey, don't fuck his name up or he'll stab you in the face with a saw. I hand. know. He'll just
1: appear <laughs> behind
4: you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I see what you did. Mm, I like it.
1: Well, born March 31st, 1943, we have Christopher Walken. Yes.
2: One of the greatest of all time.
0: Uh, One of the greatest. Still pumping movies out. Man, all over He is life. on my list
2: of people I would love to work with. Truly. I love it. I
3: love you when you when you say his name and his filmography just like runs through your
0: head.
2: <laughs> right.
3: And I'm talking everything from fucking Annie Hall
0: to Balls of Fury to, to, to
3: the to, to the to the to Balls of Fury to the Prophecy series. Um, and in China uh, they call it
0: ping pong. <laughs> ping
3: pong. We
4: can leave
2: <laughs> off when he did um, Peter Pan live. Let's not. We, we didn't <laughs> you I wasn't gonna, gonna bring, bring that up. It, you brought it <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: I, I want to give some props as far as horror movie horror movies goes. You know, he did um, he did the Prophecy films where he played Gabriel, and I thought he was brilliant in that. The Prophecy is one of my favorite. Is, is also up there one of my favorite films um, with him is with uh, Christopher Walken as Gabriel and um, Elias Codius as the protagonist uh, Tommy. And, of course, Beagle Mortensen is the devil in that one for those who haven't seen it. Um, I love the Prophecy series, but his best term, one of his best films. I know a lot of people are going to say Deer Hunter or, you know, motherfuckers are going to say, yo know, Dogs of War or, you know, True Romance because he was amazing in True Romance. Um... I really fucking loved him in the Dead Zone. I was, to say I Dead was gonna Zone. say, "Are
0: you gonna say oh, Dead Zone?" Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah. the Dead Zone. I, I recently rewatched that. Because it, it was just kind of like I was sitting around. Angela had never seen it, had never seen it, and I was like, "Oh, you've got to check this out." Because you know, I, it was the weekend. We had nothing to do. It was like, "Oh, we're gonna watch the Dead Zone." And the Dead Zone came out in 1983. That movie still made me. It still made me emotional. Watching that. Everyone is so pitch perfect in that. And he as Johnny, um, knowing he's on this, this course for self-destruction. Just the way Christopher, he, he's so perfect. Oh, I, 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 can't even, I can't even put into words how good he was. It, a, a, a terrifically riveting and great film. Oh wow! Well. I'm yeah, i getting a little missed. <laughs> no, it was it was a super no, cool no, film. no, that's okay. That fucking was bullshit.
0: the one where he got really hit by do. a truck, right? And he goes into the coma. Yeah. 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 And then yeah, when he shakes people's hands he can see their past, present, future.
3: So wild. That's super oh, cool and movie. Martin Martin Sheen and, and uh, fucking Martin Sheen uh, played the the psychotic uh, politician who's gonna lead the world to World War Three. And then, you know, Johnny glimpses that and has to do something about it. Oh, my God. It's such a build. And then, you know, the kids on the ice. Yep. And he saw the, you know, oh, it just, it, it just kills me every time. He was such a, I mean, you see him in stuff like Seven Psychopaths or you see him in True Romance and or, you know, Pulp Fiction where he's got that gruff voice, you know, like that. I'm not going to try and do Christopher Walker right now because I'm just, you know, but <laughs> you he was, he showed this incredible vulnerable side that you just don't see coming from him. He was quiet. He was reserved. It was just, but he was vulnerable. He was emotional. You could see it. And it just, such a stunning display and and a true testament to the actor's talent because obviously later on, he's gotten kind of pulled into the Christopher Walken. This is what Christopher Walken is. And, you know, stuff like uh, uh, Suicide Kings, Mm -hmm. you know? where he just kind of plays that same kind of role, that same kind of approach. But uh, Dead Zone, he got to break away from that and do something completely different, which I love. Um, and then, of course, you know, you throw in stuff, you know, like fucking, what, you know, Bat- he was Batman Returns and, you know, View to a Kill and all kinds of shit where he just play the, oh, fucking Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, Sleepy
1: Hollow. Oh, Hulk. man, yeah.
2: that's right.
3: Yeah, so just, where he gets to go out there and be just a goofy fucking crazy... Oh, I'm Christopher Walken. I'm a crazy man. That, that whole kind of shit, <laughs> you know. I do have the more, you know, more cowbell. That kind of guy. He gets to be that dude.
1: I do have to throw a shout out because I am a, I'm a huge pool player, and he's in probably my favorite. Oh,
3: fucking pool junkie. Hell junk,
4: yeah.
1: Hell yeah. I love that movie so much. That's dude,
4: his right.
3: face. The, the fucking lion speech. I used that as a monologue once.
4: Hell yeah. <laughs> nice.
3: And it's dude him and I, it, it, I, I I just I loved it and I could see that I was kind of, I took on his manner I didn't do the voice, but I took on his man his manner to just kind of sell that um I obviously I fucked it up I didn't get that part, but the guys I was auditioning for seemed to enjoy it so,
1: it was actually it was really funny about that line speech was uh the director Mars Callahan. I was originally going to cut it out, and Christopher Walken petitioned basically and begged. like, just screen it one time with the monologue in and see how the audience reacts. And the audience loved it, and of course, he, you know, it got left in the film.
0: Awesome. Keep pumping him out. I know he's got a couple of movies coming out in 2020, so I'm excited to see him in those.
2: I mean, he's got, what, 138 films? Yeah. It's so <laughs> nuts. <laughs>
3: Did you did you guys know? Just a little just drop little hints. I love this. I love the dude so much. Yo, he was a lion tamer.
2: I didn't know that. I heard that, that somewhere. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah.
3: And his first off-Broadway production was with Liza Minnelli. No yep. way. Liza Minnelli and Best Foot Forward. Wow. <laughs> yep, he dropped out of uh the thing he would do Hofstra. He was uh he was in Hostra and he'd only been there a year and then he landed that role and dropped out. It was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm acting. now. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> He's
2: like, dancing's um, cool, but uh.
3: <laughs> I think the 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 very uh, his the, his speech patterns, the you know, the obviously the walk in the Christopher Walken impersonation of thing, but the, those speech patterns he chose, he actually based that off of I think his grandfather. Because that's the or he's either his grandfather or his father. Because, um, he he's a son of immigrants, and, um, uh, that would you know his uh his dad or his, dad or his granddad. I think it was didn't uh, you know they were German immigrants and he didn't really have a grasp of the English language. So he would pause while he was thinking how to pronounce the word. And then he would pronounce the word kind of in a way that was unique. It was like, well, he where he would put the accents kind of like in weird places. And so his he always Christopher Walken always thought his dad had already you know, did, thought that it, he had a really interesting way of talking. So he began using that oh, in some wow. of his characterizations, oh. and that's how that got land. That's how that landed. Yeah,
1: you, nice. You have to make yourself stand out. <laughs> uh-huh. That's
3: true.
0: I'd like to give him one <laughs> shout-out on a film that I particularly enjoyed because I'm a Sean Connery fan and ended up seeing him in this movie called uh, The Anderson Tapes. Uh, it was released in, like, 71, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, that's definitely that's one of my favorites. It's not a horror movie or anything. It was just, like, a cool movie to watch. Hmm. Um, that's bad. I'm going
1: to check that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, uh, Sean Connery plays this guy, Duke, and he's like in prison for just a certain amount of time and he um he comes out and ends up like shacking up i think with his girlfriend and they plan on like robbing the whole building and it's yeah it's it's like a cool kind of crime thriller movie
3: you fucking think about that he worked with Sidney lumay and that's something to say i mean Fucking the people he has worked with. You're looking at his filmography, you know Woody Allen, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Demme, John Irvin. Uh, David Cronenberg, fucking Robert Redford. It's, I mean, just the,
2: everyone it, to, uh, he's worked with. Everyone. everyone <laughs> I'm just looking at it. It's,
3: it's like it's it's a dream come true, and as from an actor's perspective. From just any kind of creative type to be immersed in that and you know you can see he loves what he does I love watching him I, you can tell he, he throws himself into everything he does King of New York I have to give him some props for I really enjoyed King of New oh, that's York that's another good um, one yeah mm-hmm. so but yeah I'm, I'm hoping he turns him out I mean he keeps pushing him out um, I think we recently saw him what was it uh I know he shows up in the Jesus Rolls um, which is a sequel which is kind of a spin-off of the Big Lebowski
2: uh. that
3: follows Jesus, that follows the character that follows John Totoro's character uh, Jesus Quintana um, so I know he, he has a he has a role in that one um, but he's got a couple of movies coming out uh, the War with Grandpa and Wild Mountain Time so you know he's still put I mean dang still going he's got them coming out you no know, I mean I hope he does. I love it. Every time I see him on see him on the screen, I know it's going to be a good <laughs> no time. Joke. I get all tingly. Absolutely. Oh, fucking stand-up guys! That's what I was thinking of. Play the old gangster.
0: God, he's always so good at those gangster roles. He really fucking is.
3: Him and uh, him and was it fucking Al Pacino? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just hands down Keep incredible actor. Walking. Um. Yeah. Happy birthday, Christopher.
2: Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. happy
3: birthday all right so as we close out another episode of week in horror we want to extend a huge thank you to christy for taking the time to join us this week and putting up with our bullshit (laughs) talking horror movies with us christy thank you so much do you have anything that you would like to plug for our audience
2: think first of all i want to say thank you guys for having me this was so much fun and you've helped me re-enter the world of horror films. <laughs> Yay. Um, I started my career making them and then kind of straight away from them and now I'm, I'm ready to hop back in. I've got my list of films to watch. Um, let's see, as far as things to plug, um, you guys mentioned in the beginning, Found, Wandering, Lost. That actually comes out this year um, yeah. with uh, our current situation. Um, it'll probably be pushed into the fall, so that's really exciting. Um it's got a little bit of something for everybody um let's see for horror film fans um there is a series of short films um started as like a a fun short film that kind of dealt with um well with this a a different twist on zombie films called reprimand it's a short film done by blue boy cinema uh, cinematography done by nick james Who's an incredible director and um Josh Leonard it wrote um and also directed uh reprimand. So Blue Boy Cinema, check that out. It was the first of a series of six or seven, I believe. Um, I think there are four out right now, and you can find them on the Blue Boy Cinema YouTube page. Um, I think when they're finished shooting all of them, they're gonna be taken down and then kind of um implemented into one giant film but I was in the first one called Reprimand it's like I said a different twist on zombie films Um, it's less about the zombies but more about what's going on with the people that are trying to figure out what in the hell they're going to do with this um, with the zombies and um, I think it's a lot of fun Let's see what else, um, everything else is like in pre-production, so a whole, a whole lot, um, got a couple of films uh, out on Amazon Prime now, The Tree, you can see, you guys mentioned that one earlier too, it's a fun Hallmark film, if you need a break from horror films and you need a feel good movie, <laughs> The Tree is a good one, um, That is done by Steven Pruitt, Never Too Late Productions. They have another one out called Dust, and I have a small role in that one as well. And I think that one's coming out on Prime soon also. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's all I got for now.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Christy Corville, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know with everything, with the quarantine and all this other kind of stuff, thank you so much Oh my gosh,
2: you're so welcome. I mean, this beats sitting around in my pajamas staring out the windows. <laughs> like, I remember so busy. Places. I don't know. <laughs> my house has never been cleaner, but... <laughs> no, I appreciate it. it. This was so much fun, you guys. And I look forward to... Uh, now you have a new fan as well. Like, I look forward to listening to your your podcast for sure. Um, Jail, we go way back.
4: Yes, <laughs> so ma'am. it's
2: been so... So wonderful to catch up, and it's been so great to speak and meet you, Alex and Eugene. And um, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely very good to meet you.
1: Yes, very nice to meet you. And also thank you to our listeners. I know you know everything's going on crazy and world and everything like that. And I thank you so much for taking time to listen in our podcast, you know, if you're gonna be stuck at home. Why not listen to Weekend Horror kind of thing? So thank you so much to our listeners. And we're always looking for feedback, comments, questions. You can email us at weekendhorror at gmail.com. You know, if you're bored at home, throw a shout out to us kind of thing like that. You know, we'll go and we can interact with you. And, you know, you can listen to us on any of those podcast platforms like Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google Podcasts, the whole long list of them, right? And also, if you're a fan, check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash weekend horror, right? Where we have our bloodbath, where we use our horror expertise and we take two horror villains and pit them in a battle to the death right and we see who comes out on top and also on top of that we also do our week in horror after dark which we have our celebrity guests come on and we get to know them a little bit more you know kind of just talk about you know how we feel about the genre how they're experiencing the genre and just you know we sit around we just chat for a little while kind of thing Uh, also check us out on our facebook page facebook.com slash weekend horror you get our daily dose of little horror knowledge we call our daily splatter and also you can hit us up on twitter right at weekend horror where we also go ahead and do our daily splatter and so i'm eugene
0: hey i'm alex
3: i'm jl
0: thanks guys we'll see you next week and as always stay scared